This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. I bet you're thrilled. Well, no, we're all thrilled. You know why? We've been paid. Hooray! I love the paying bit. The paying bit's the nicest bit about Friday. It's the 23rd... Well, I think we've been paid. I'm having... Having said that... Wait a minute, I'm not too sure, actually. 23rd of January it is, and uh, all day it's going to be absolutely wonderful. The police are going to probe Leon Britton beyond the grave after the allegations. King Abdullah has died at the age of 90. What reforms he brought in. Fantastic, and uh, a great age as well. Uh, Prince Andrew breaks his silence. What he was doing at Davos, I've got no idea. It seems to be like a giant glee club. They all turn up, uh, Peter Mandelson, Tony Blair... Um, but Prince Andrew, representing nobody, just turns up perhaps because he's got no friends. And he's still denying the allegations. Well, he's sort of denying them. He's sort of saying, you know, you know, Buckingham Palace have said it and I'm not making any further comment. And so then they said, you know, will you be answering these questions? And he just went stony-faced, I should imagine. I think he thinks it's going to go away. I seriously believe he thinks it's going to go away. He thinks that if stoically he just sort of says nothing about it, the press will leave him alone. It's not going to happen. But as I said yesterday, it is an interesting one, isn't it? That here's somebody making allegations about Prince Andrew, you know, who never had the best reputation in the world anyway. I mean, did she ever meet him? Is it all just made up? You know, is it, is it sort of just a fantasy? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just, a, I'm the, you know, same as everybody else. We have no idea. Uh, but if it turns out that one of them's lying, my God, the papers are going to lay into them. Gemma Collins claims to have lost weight. I can testify. She lost weight because they weighed her while she was holding the Kentucky Fried Chicken party barrel, and then she put it down, and now she's lighter. Which is amazing, isn't it? And uh, still waiting to find out whether you've paid that money over, Gemma, but uh, you've probably gone a bit quiet on that one. I've just got a horrible feeling it's all going to backfire, isn't it? Um, the triple murderer who was being executed in Texas. The second one, the first one said he felt like he was on fire. I thought, good, good. I'm glad you're suffering. And then the uh, the second one, who screamed, I can smell the injection, which, of course, is highly unlikely, but uh, still means that he went screaming to the other side, which is great news, isn't it? I'm quite pleased about that. Uh, the teacher in a top TV show disgraced. He had sex with two pupils. What is it with pupils and teachers? They seem to have a fatal attraction for each other. Just three in ten of you are happy. That's not very good odds, is it? Three in ten are happy. They've, they've discovered the happiest people in the world are listening between four and 6.30 in the morning. They've said those are the happiest people. That's your happiest time because you don't actually have to do anything. You know, you're not going to have to answer the door to the postman, are you, at five past four with a, with a bill from the taxman. Hopefully you should have had that already. And uh, I should have had my blood test results yesterday. Didn't. Because my nurse fell ill, so that was, that was a bit lucky. And so we've got it booked in for the 5th of February, which is ironic, because that's the time I've got a big eye test coming up as well. So we're going to have to start juggling around. But I'm sure we shall manage it. It'll be great. And uh, I didn't pay the tax yesterday. I'll do it today. You can do it. You just do it online. We just sort of transfer the money into the taxman's account, and he then goes cruising around the Bahamas for the next six months, based on how much money we have paid him. Amir Khan can't do the shopping. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest. And uh, loose women. Have you noticed that they've been quite tactful and not talking about Nadia Sawala? We do like Nadia. And uh, Keith Lemon's going to retire. I got really excited. Unfortunately, it's not for nine years. I hope I live to see the day. And uh, the cure for high blood pressure and the cleaner. She was cleaning... The, uh, the mask of King Tut, a little bit, uh, a bit disrespectful, Tutankhamun. And uh, that's what used to happen, wasn't it? You know, people didn't used to ring his doorbell. They sat outside and hooted. And he'd go, Tut and Carmoon. OK, 
take it, take it or throw it away. It's entirely up to you. Anyway, she broke his uh, the the little bit that sticks down the bottom of the mask. I went, oh my god, she's broken her bloody mask. I mean, it, admittedly, the mask is falling apart because it's so old, and and all that they've just glued it on with some glue. They've said cheap glue. Do you know, to be honest with you, glue is glue is glue. It sticks, doesn't it? You know, unless you've used sort of paper glue, in which case it's not going to hold it. But I've got some really good super glue, and you just put it on there and stick it back together again. That's what anybody else would have done. My uh, my dog, years and years ago, used to have sticky-up ears, and he was, a, he was a Cocker Spaniel, looked a bit silly. So in order to train his ears to hang down, which is what they should have done, we used to glue wine gums onto them. We used to get, get a wine gum, and so, like that, and then stick it onto his ear. He used to walk around with wine gums hanging from his ear. He didn't know. He didn't know what it was there for. We thought it was great. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, I like the trainee butcher story. He's gone back to work. In, you know, he was in there the other week and apparently they didn't have a safety guard on the machine and his hand got minced in the mincer. I know, it sounds, it sounds dreadful, doesn't it? It reminds me of that story of that, uh, of that man whose wife cut his willy off and threw it out the car window. So he goes into hospital and they go, well, where is it? He said, well, she threw it out the car window. They said, well, go and find it. No point in turning it. What do you think? They're going to make one for you. Go back into... So he had to go and find his willy in a field, which he did find. Took it back in and they uh, and they, and they, sort of sewed it back on for him. Kind of at an angle, a little bit, little bit peculiar. And so with this poor boy, they couldn't do anything about his hand because it was all minced. I'd have passed out. Even thinking about it, I'd have passed out. I hate anything like that. Frightens the life out of me. Fright- anyway, he's turned up back there working because they can't get rid of him. Otherwise, they'd, uh, they'd have a ton of bad publicity and he'd sue the... off them. And, uh, and he's now got a hook... For a hand, bless his eyes. Only seventeen. Big thing to uh, to come to terms with. So, well, he gets my sort of special award for this morning. Special award. Nick Clegg has admitted his favourite lunch is that Swedish meatball. I don't know why they call them Swedish meatball. A meatball is a meatball, and it comes from Pret-a-Manger. And uh, it's a darn sight more exciting than that ghastly thing McDonald's have got, which is their McRib. Have you ever had one? Ghost. You tried eating that? They put far too much sauce on it. It really is ghastly. Ghastly. I had one a few weeks back, and I thought, right, that's it. And the thing I've decided I can't have to eat any more, it's another one of the, as, as, you, as you sort of go through life, as your diabetes gets worse or better, depending on how you, how you manage it. And, um, and I have certain foods which do not work with my diabetes. Everybody's different. So don't ever think that what happens to me will happen to you, because you will be completely different. And um, I discovered that lamb shanks are no good for me at all. Lamb shanks react react very badly with my body. I don't know why. I used to love them. I used to get on really well with them. But on the last three occasions I've had lamb shanks, I've woken up in the middle of the night thinking, I'm going to be ill. And you know, you sit there on the edge of the bed. We've all done it. Thinking, I don't want to be sick. I really don't want to be anything. Oh, God. Maybe. So you go and stand in the bathroom, you know by the toilet, just in case, and nothing happens. Then you go sit in front of the television, I think, oh, God. And then you sit there with a towel on your lap, thinking, just in case it all goes pear-shaped. So, lamb shanks uh, off my off my food list completely. I cannot have lamb shanks anymore. Which is OK, because lamb's a bit fatty, but I used to enjoy lamb shanks. What did I discover last night? Now affects me so badly. It completely screwed up last night's sleeping. Sweet and sour sauce. I decided to have, I'd not had it for ages, uh, chicken with uh, mushrooms and what else? A few other bits and pieces and some sweet and sour sauce. And so I poured the sweet and sour sauce in, did it beautiful, delicious. I mean, absolutely delicious. No adverse effects until I climbed into bed. 
Within, I climbed into bed because I got to the stage. I got about half past five, quarter to six. And I thought, I really want to go to bed. So I sent a text to my bank manager saying, I'll, I'll catch you tomorrow. We'll do the, the tax transfer. I've got to go to bed. I'm tired. That was half past five. Half past six, I'm up to go to the toilet. Because being diabetic, you go to toilet a lot until they get it under control. And uh, I've been fairly good up until now. This sweet and sour sauce reacted so fast. If I got up once, I got up ten times last night to go for a week. <laughs> I mean, really, it just became ridiculous. In the end, I kept looking at the clock thinking, it's only 20 minutes since I climbed into bed. It just converts. And so, uh, you know, I could have weed for the country. Could have weed for the country last night. So I've now decided, no more sweet and sour sauce. That one's out the window. We'll have to find something else. And, of course, the reason it probably affected me badly is because I should imagine it's 90% sugar. I would think so. And then I had two yoghurts yesterday. Because you know which yoghurts I like? I'm not into strawberry yoghurts. I'm not into raspberry, cherry Cherry yoghurt, I absolutely love. And I bought two upstairs because it said 70% fat-free. And James O'Brien started shouting at me. Because uh, he's like, I think he thinks we're related or I like him or something. I don't know, whatever it is. Anyway, and he says to me, he said, what are you eating that for? I said, because it's fat-free. He said, you silly spoon. He calls me a spoon. He said, you silly spoon. He said, it's got sugar in it, loads of sugar and sweetness and stuff like that. It might be fat-free, but it's full of sugar. I said, yeah, and whatever. And he said, but it's not for you, is it? It's not made for diet. He became quite aggressive. Quite in, fact, in fact, I made a mental note, start recording these conversations. You might need them in a court of law. And so, uh, so I ate two of these yoghurts. I ate two of them because I like cherry yoghurt. Something about cherry I quite like. And the, the cherry is supposed to be quite good for you, so I might have to buy some later on today to enjoy. But today is our lunch, as you know. Friday, there's a number of us going out for lobster and burgers. It started off as two of us. Now I think it's about ten of us, which I'm quite looking forward to. So, well, I'm not just quite looking forward to it, I'm really looking forward to it. Then my attention turned to the plight of the two Japanese. They're not paying the ransom, it's as simple as that, which is what we said on the programme. Why would you want to pay a ransom to, you know, to this prat called Jihadi John? Jihadi girly boy John, the murdering psychopath. When they get him, I hope they string him up nice and high. I'd be a lot happier about things uh, if that happened. I don't see these two Japanese people surviving at all. I really don't. If they're not going to pay the ransom, what's the point? It makes it makes uh, IS look a bit stupid. And of course, one thing they don't want to look is stupid. I think they will have to uh, they will have to execute them. And whilst you feel you know immense sadness, you think to yourself, nobody's going to cough up two hundred million because once they've done that, they then go right, want well, four hundred million, or we're going to, or we're going to murder this person, and it just goes on and it's on and it goes on, and you just have to say, listen, I'm sorry, that's it. I think if you're in that unfortunate position where you've been captured, I don't know what the situation was, incidentally, for these two people. I don't know how they were over there. And uh, and how they managed to get captured. But frankly, I think everybody should stay well away from the ISIS have quite clearly got some psychopathic murderers amongst their bunch. Nothing to do with uh, with Islam, nothing to do with being a Muslim. They're not they're not remotely Christian uh, or sorry, they're, they're, they're not remotely religi- religious people. They're just murdering psychopaths uh, doing it under, you know, and the funny thing is they've actually brought more shame and anything else on Muslims than anything else, which, of course, is nothing to do with them. Warren's up and about this morning, which is always good news, isn't it? 850, I forgot what it was. Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Paul doesn't do lamb either. I can't bear it. I've gone right off it now, and now I know how these things affect me. You've got to be very careful, very, very careful. But, you know, I've I've never had anything that's affected me so bad as that sweet and sour sauce last night. Delicious to eat. 
but really, really bad. Really bad. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. It's Friday, it's the 23rd of Jan, and it's quarter past four. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Nick and the team at seven as the health unions and the government resume talks on pay in the hope of avoiding a strike next week. Do you have any sympathy for public sector workers? And this Saturday, the 50th anniversary of Winston Churchill's death. Nick will be talking to an historian who was at the funeral and also director of the Churchill Centre in Chicago. And Nick will be asking, what would the world be like now if it hadn't been for Churchill? And the morning after Prince Andrew didn't say much about certain allegations, royal commentator Phil Dampier is the paper reviewer, Nick Ferrari. This morning from 7, that's after the news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30. Uh, Jean in Edmonton, Canada. Do you know, we, we, we're having adverts on our television at the moment, Jean, for Canada celebrating some 20th anniversary. It looks lovely. My, uh, my uncle as you all know, was a lecturer out in Canada. Canada. He left uh, here years and years ago and went out there, not with us anymore, sadly. Had two boys, married a Canadian woman and made his home out there very successfully. And it looks lovely. He used to send a magazine back to us, which used to show the, the seasons. Looks lovely. It really does. And I looked at this thing the other day and I thought, you know, if I won the lottery, I, I quite fancy going to... It hasn't crossed my mind before. You know, you talk about all the places you want to go to. People go, oh, I want to go and lie on a beach. Well, of course, I don't do lying on beaches. I find it terribly tedious. Terribly tedious. So, and I was talking to somebody the other day who's... Well, in fact, my producer, Will, he's actually going off on holiday. And he's checked the temperature. It's about 28 degrees. He said, which will be about... He said, not 28. Yes, no, about 20 degrees. 24, something like that. He said, which is just about bearable for me. I said, well, you know, I can't lie on a beach. I cannot lie on a beach. It's a waste of time. I get bored. You know, I burn. I'm not happy. So I'd rather go on a holiday where you go and see something and look at looking at the fantastic scenery in Canada and these mountains and the snow. Oh, it just looks brilliant. I quite fancy doing it on one of these railways. You know where you sit on the top in a dome and you what? I mean, that appeals to me. That appeals to me big time. You know, having your sort of breakfast, looking out at that wonderful... And just sitting there and just going, I'm just going to sit here and doze and wake up and doze and wake up and doze. Read a book, eat, go to toilet, doze. That I quite fancy. Lazy holidays like that. But anyway, she's back in Canada. The LBC podcast service kept her right up to date with the news of the world, whenever I wanted to know it. So much fun, she said, sending you a photo of the ship to prove we were at sea. She said, will you really try lobster at lunch? I don't know. I'm not too sure, actually. <laughs> more I think about it, more I think I might not be. <laughs> more I think I might not be. But I, I, sh- I shall do my best. I shall try and be a brave little soldier and, uh, and go. And, uh, and Shanna says, uh, I can't help but laugh when you talked about the sweet and sour sauce. It reminded me of the story you told about the time you fell asleep in the chair with your Chinese takeaway in your lap. Yes, we we all remember that one, don't we? That really was one of my big... It's not the first time it's happened, actually. I've done it with other foods. So I'm, I'm not particularly good at eating on my lap. It's called telly... What do they call it? Sort of telly meals, isn't it? Where you sit in front of the television. Who could be bothered to sit at the table? Hilarious. And uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Mark said, I've watched your new cast from 1979. You were handsome then. Oh, don't be so stupid. Honestly, I was never handsome. Never. And also, as uh, Gary Bushell once said to me, Steve Allen, great face for radio. Which kind of sums it up. I used to say, Gary Bushell, great face for doing nothing at all. I used to love Gary Bushell. So bigoted. Uh, anyway, other other stories that we've got to uh, to cover this morning. Why can't Amir Khan do the shopping? It's not just because he's a bit uh, a bit thick. Uh, also, Sylvester Stallone is going to advertise Warburton's bread. 
I'm tempted to say, well, on earth we've got an American advertising? Have we got anybody over here? Kate Moss is pictured wearing fur. Ugh, ugh. Terrible woman. Katie Hopkins has backtracked. And uh, poor old White D. Yeah, that fat lump of lard who's still dragging her weary carcass into any newspaper she, she didn't happen to talk to. Uh, scrap plans to be an MP. It don't pay enough. No, it's because you're not bright enough, love. You could never, ever, never, ever be a, an MP. Far too stupid. Far too stupid. And you've had your five seconds. Bye-bye. Go away. Go away. Go, choo, choo, choo. Go away. There you go. Much better. Much better. Uh, Christine says, you're so defensive of Nadia Sawala. She's awful on CBB. She might be. She might be. I don't have any doubt of things like that. I just think she shouldn't have gone on it. But she said she's paying for a kitchen. So that's all right. You know, if she's paying for a kitchen. But you're right. She's not very good on, uh, on the programme. But that doesn't really matter, actually. Uh, buy plain yoghurt and blitz cherries and put in yoghurt. It might be synthetic cherry in the one you buy. Uh, no, they, they were definitely cherry pieces. I did check on that. Uh, Prince Andrew still had that arrogant look yesterday. Does he really believe he's godlike and above the law, or is he? Well, we don't know. We don't know. I just want to know what he's doing there. He's not representing the Queen. Not representing the Queen. He's not representing the country. He's not being paid to go there. He's just doing it under his own bat. And you think to yourself, why doesn't he go and get a job? Why doesn't he go and get a job? You know, there's something about him. There is this this arrogance. There is this, you know, don't question me, I'm Prince Andrew kind of routine. And as I've said on the programme, till I'm blue in the face, and every other commentator has said exactly the same. I mean, she might be telling lies. I don't know. He might be telling lies. I don't know. Nobody knows. The only people who know are them. And one of them has either made it up, or failing that, it's not made up, and they really were a sex slave, and they really were flown around the world, and they really did have to service, you know, sad old men who've got more power than anything else. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know who's telling the truth. You know, if it turns out that under oath, or under... I mean, why don't they do a lie detector test? Would that not prove it once and for all? Would that not prove it? Could they not do that just to just to get it over and done with? I mean, he th- he said, oh, I just want to get on with my job. You don't have a job, dear. You don't have a job. That's the stupid thing about Prince Andrew. He's suffering from delusions. You don't have a job. There is no job. You're not paid. You are without salary. OK, so what do you think you do? You just sort of troll around the world, don't you, really? Doing nothing but hanging around with people and having a bit of a laugh, you know, because I'm Prince Andrew. He makes my flesh creep every time I see him now. I don't know why. I just feel it's, it's sort of something wrong. A lie detector test to make it so easy. A lie detector test to make it so easy. If he doesn't want to do one, make her have one. I'm sure she'd be up for it. I'm sure she would. You know, Jeremy Kyle show's always available. God knows they're always available. You know, that's the sort of thing that we go for nowadays. Either he knows this other girl, and if he and if he doesn't know her, then why is he pictured with his arm around her, you know, with Ghislaine in the background, who comes with, let's just call it baggage, shall we, for the purposes of this programme. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know, so, um, you know, he's so arrogant, I don't want to talk about it. Well, people do want to talk about it. If it's true, if it's true, and you've been standing there blatantly lying, well, then you've really got some issues to deal with. You've really got some issues to deal with. Because, you know, if if she's lying and she's made the whole thing up, although why you'd make it up, I can't imagine. Why would you pick on somebody like that? You know, I'm sure there must be easier people to pick on than a member of the British royal family. There must be. I mean, I, you know, you only have to go through the papers. You know, find somebody from the only way is Essex. You know, just take them for everything they've got. That would be so much easier. Because, you know, if it if it turns out that she is telling the truth, then she has a case... 
and uh, and they can probably do something. And they can say, well, listen, it's been proven. She's She was there with you. She's got evidence. She's got evidence. They, she's claiming, I mean, she keeps making these claims in the courts, that he was now part of an orgy. I mean, to be honest with you, you kind of look at him and go, really? You know, you do think that. If, of course, it turns out that he's lying through his teeth, well, then, you know, anything that he ever does comes into question. Anything he ever does, he will lose all credibility. Not that I think he's got any credibility with the British public. I think if you did a survey, and I'm surprised that the newspapers haven't, or, you know, whether you believe Prince Andrew, because I don't really know, I don't think you can do one like that. You know, have you lost faith in, uh, in Prince Andrew? No, I don't think you could do that one either, because I don't think we ever did have faith in him. But he's broken his silence, you know, at something he shouldn't have been at. He's got nothing to do with it. He just turns up off his own back, you know, and sort of starts pretending he's some ambassador for this country. Rubbish. Walnuts can boost it. Let's give him walnuts. Apparently in the paper today, walnuts can boost your memory. Perhaps he might be able to remember more clearly where he's been. You know, how many times was he entertained by the paedophile pervert that is Mr Epstein? You know, how many times? What sort of hospitality did he uh, did he get from him? Why did you see him after prison walking through the park, weren't you? Check, what were you talking about? He's just come out of prison for his pervert activities. And there's Prince Andrew walking with him. And I remember saying at the time, shouldn't somebody at Buckingham Palace be advising him? Shouldn't his security? And the answer is, he takes no notice of anybody. Even the, even the Queen, I should imagine, goes, oh, God... What do we do? What do we do? Ray Mears has lost the plot. Ray Mears is one of these outside people and he's being paid £10,000 to promote caravans. I know, it's a bit difficult, isn't it? You know, I think when you say caravanning, in this country at one time, and I'm old enough to remember when it was, the, uh, the caravans you had were on caravan sites and people used to tow them behind their cars. Now you go caravans, you go travellers, you go prison, you go thieving. That's the kind of thing you think of now. So caravanning got a really bad name. Yeah, we had a caravan. Loads of people had a caravan. You couldn't afford to go abroad, which we couldn't. You bought a caravan for a few hundred pounds, and, and that was your holiday. And you hooked it up behind the car. We did. And off we went around the, around the country. We went to Wales and Cornwall, all sorts of places. Norfolk, anything. You'd tow your little house behind you. You'd, uh, you'd have the caravan club book. You'd have your little pennant flying. You'd have your thing on the front. If you passed another caravan, you'd flash your lights and we'd all wave like mad. Yes, another caravan. There's his bigger. Don't wave. We used to love things like that. Caravanning was great. And so then you go through the book. We go, right, we're going to Norfolk. OK, where are we going to first? We're going to Bliss or wherever it happened to be. Or Dis. And, uh, and you go through. You go, right, here's this thing here. And, of course, we didn't have phones. You had to find a phone box. You know, and the phone box had a phone in it, which luckily was working most of the time. Then you had to find some change. Nowadays, you just pick up the mobile phone and go, hello, we'd like to book in. And then you'd pull in onto the site and then you'd sort of get out. We'd unhook the caravan and then you'd wind down the legs. You'd put the wooden blocks on the floor to level it all off. You'd have a little spirit level in the door. And then your mum would go inside. We'd connect the gas up and she'd put the kettle on. We'd have a cup of tea and then we'd probably have soup and bread and things like that. It'd be a little farm shop. Used to love it. Used to love it. Anyway... So Ray Mears, they offer him 10,000 quid to promote caravans at the caravan show, I think. And then he goes on a TV programme and says he can't stand caravans. So what do they do? They cancel him. What else can you do? You know, it'd be like saying, uh, we've got somebody here who's going to promote Greece. 
And then somebody goes on another television programme, the same person goes, I can't bear the place, can't bear it, blooming awful food, horrible people, men with pom-poms on their shoes, very gay. You know, and they go, well, I don't think we'll have you promoting it. And so for Ray Mears, they've had to drop him. They've said there's no point, no point in having him, he doesn't even like caravans. You'd have thought they'd have checked beforehand, wouldn't you? LBC News time. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Actually, it's very interesting. I was talking about those McDonald's McRibs, and uh, which, I mean, to be honest with you, I think what they are is processed meat. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think they're actually... I think they're shaped ribs. I don't think they're actual ribs, because I've had ribs before, and they don't look like that. Anyway, somebody just sent me a picture of what they look like when they're delivered. And, and they're obviously frozen, as you can well imagine. And then they obviously sort of heat them up, and then they put this disgusting gunk all over them, and a bun that falls apart. I mean, seriously, I ruined two handkerchiefs. They're the messiest thing I've ever had in my entire life. And I remember having them years ago, years, 20 years ago, in uh, Amsterdam. In Amsterdam? No, Vienna, where they had them over there. And, um, and then I tried one the other day. Oh, God, it was ghastly, absolutely ghastly. It's very interesting, we, because we've lost the Wimpy Bar in Twickenham, I know, the, a nation in mourning, um, they're, they're putting in this place called Steers, which I believe is a South African chain, and they're doing Flame Grill. Now, it'll be very interesting, because this comes back to my age-old problem that I have with Burger King. They tell you about their Flame Grilled Whoppers. Certainly not in the shops, they're not. Certainly not in the shops, I don't believe... I mean, I, I might have to go and investigate this further. In our, in our um, Burger King, there appears to be just one girl working. And she has to do everything. Assemble the burgers, serve, do... You know, the whole lot, poor soul. Perhaps they can't afford to have staff in there. Or perhaps, you know, people have given up with it. Because the Kentucky's a bit more... A bit more in tune with the young people from the local... Um, the local college. They seem to love Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't know what, what it is about it. But anyway, so, you know, I've never seen any flames in the back. I've never seen anybody in Burger King cooking anything. I've seen them putting it into a microwave. I've seen that. I've seen that on hundreds of occasions. Down at Waterloo Station, you watch that all the time. They pick up the burger, they put it in, it goes in the microwave, they push the button, then they come back to it, and then they push it onto the thing. Never seen anybody cooking, never seen any flame grill, so I don't know where that comes from. Perhaps when they're first made, they flame grill them, and then they freeze them again. I don't know. I've got no idea what happens. I'm, 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 I'm confused by the whole thing. Very confused by it. So, uh, anyway, 84850, steve at uk. You're not the only one to be slated by Gary Bushell, says Kevin the Millman. He reviewed our first single when he worked at Sounds, and he called it Punk by Numbers. Bumped into him backstage at the Rebellion Punk Festival last year, and he's still got a face for a blender. Oh, I know. Doesn't he look... He used to look like Bluto from Popeye. We used to, we used to take, take the mickey out of him, because he looked like Bluto. He was very odd, very very peculiar person. Uh, somebody says the lie detector's inadmissible in court. I didn't say it was. I just said he should take a lie detector test. I never mentioned court at all. He's not in court. He's not been charged with anything. Why would he be in court? I wouldn't, uh, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't even deem to put a lie detector test in court, but I'd certainly give him a lie detector test. I'd ask him if he wanted to take one, and if he doesn't, I'd be asking, why don't you want to take one? You know, and it's clear it up. Surely you want this cleared up. Everybody wants it cleared up, because otherwise they're just going to be sort of going on, you know, forever and a day. Uh, Christine from Manchesterford says, are you doing an audio version of your book? As far as I know, no. As far as I know, no. The Steve Allen, so you want to be a celebrity, is not going to be on audio. You can pre-order it on Amazon, and I think it'll be in uh, one of the big booksellers as well. I think it'll be on the till, and I'm hoping so anyway, because uh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be very popular. And the reason I think it's going to be very popular is the one thing that everybody wants to be nowadays is a celebrity. Will this book tell you how to be a celebrity? 
Probably not, but it'll point you in the right direction. It'll tell you the pitfalls. It'll tell you the things to do, the things not to do. It'll tell you, you know, some of the famous faces. Some people have done very well out of being, you know, talentless people. They've done very well indeed. Other people haven't done at all well. Some people have done quite well, and then all of a sudden they declare themselves bankrupt because they're too bone-idle to pay taxes. And those people are the ones I want to take out and hang. But that's just me. That's just me. I'm the sort of person who works. You know, I work for a living. Don't get me wrong, I love working for a living. I I can't think of anything worse than not working. Seriously. I mean, even if I won the lottery, I'd still have to work. I'd still have to do something. I can't think of anything worse. That's why it's very interesting. In the papers today, they're saying just three in ten of us are happy. That means that the seven in ten people walking around miserable as sin. And you think... And then you have to ask yourself the question, what makes you happy? And the answer is you. You make you happy. Nobody else can make you happy. People can be nice to you. I mean, I pumped... I mean, I was walking through Twickenham yesterday. I must have said hello to about that ten people. People would walk past go, hi, Steve. You know, because that's what it's like around there. People talk to you. And, uh, you know, get police officers at the station. I get Brian. I get loads of people. So in the course of the day, there can be, you know, between 10 and 15 people who will say, hello, Steve, and I say hello back, because that's, that's what we're like. We're like that. And then you think to yourself, so what makes you happy? Is having loads of money making you happy? No. There's been more cases of people who've got millions and millions of pounds in the bank who blow their brains out because they're desperately unhappy. You know, people whose relationships fall apart. They're desperately unhappy. That's why I said that the only person who can make you happy is you. You're the only person that can change your life. You're the only person. So if you might be lying there at the moment in your little bed, with a, it might be cold, might be ice on the inside of the window. You know, you might, be, you might have some bills sitting on the mantelpiece, if you're lucky enough to have a mantelpiece. If you haven't burnt it to keep warm and you sort of and you look at the bills, you think, I don't want to open them. I don't want to open them because I know I haven't got the money to pay for it. You know, and at that moment, you might feel particularly down. I can remember when I first moved to London a long time ago. They always say, you know, it doesn't matter. You can be surrounded by people, but still be pretty lonely. And uh, I was surrounded by loads of people. I mean, even more people than I care to be sur- surrounded by. And I remember thinking, oh, God, this is a disaster. Will I ever get out of this pickle? No work. No work in London. Imagine being in London and all I was earning, admittedly it was a long, long time ago, was about £9. I had one gig in a discotheque. £8, I think it paid. £8. And I can remember thinking, it's got to get better. It's got to get better. And then I can't remember what the turning point was. I cannot remember the turning point for it getting better. But somebody said to me once, it was a psychiatrist who said, you know, to be happy, you've got to learn to like yourself. Once you like yourself, you couldn't give a stuff what anybody else says about it. Why would you care? Why would you care? You could be just that you can go back home, you can shut your front door, you know, you could take all your clothes off and, you know, recite, you know, the Bible backwards if you so choose. You do anything you like. Do anything you like. I always maintain, as long as I've got heating, as long as I've got, you know, the telly, and I've got food in the fridge and a bottle of Prosecco, I can be as happy as Larry. I can get in the car, I can go out and see friends and family, you know, and be really, really happy. You've got to like yourself. If you don't like yourself, and if you're a miserable person inside, that's why only three in ten are happy. I'm part of that three. I'm part of that three. I don't think there's anything... I mean, I got angry yesterday for about five seconds because I couldn't change a light bulb because it fell apart in my hands. And I felt a bit angry <coughs> about that. But apart from that, you know, generally speaking, I'm quite a happy little soul. I didn't like the McRib at McDonald's. That didn't make me very happy because it was just the wrong bun and there was far too much sauce on it. I think they just put it on there just to annoy you. 
And um, and, and I, read the, I read the papers and I look at the television and I watch some of the garbage that is served up to us and I look at the so-called... That's why I talk about celebrities. That's why I was the right person to write a book on So You Want to Be a Celebrity because that's what people tell me they want to be. They want to be famous. People write to me, you know, people who hate me because they're so jealous. They're so jealous that somebody could be that happy earning a really nice salary... Everything good. The only, only slight problem, health things. But, I mean, that you get over, don't you? Good God, there's more people with, you know, worse health problems than I've got, so why should I care about it? But it's an interesting survey. Three in ten. You're probably thinking now, well, actually, wait a minute, when you analyse it, perhaps I'm one of those three people. You need to find the other seven and explain to them exactly how they can be happier, how they can be a, a nicer person. Because I, I love life. I absolutely do. That's why I say people have always said to me, you ask, you ask O'Brien on his mystery hour, if Steve Allen won the lottery, would he quit work? And he'll tell you no. Anybody will tell you around here exactly the same thing. If I won the lottery, would I quit work? No. Of course not. I'd carry on working. I'd want to rub their noses in it. Look at my big house. Would you all like to come back to my big house? Don't touch the china. It's cold port. You know, but in the fridge, the steak and stuff like that. That's why. That's why. So that's a, and to be to be happy. How do you get to be happy? I don't know. You just have to look at yourself in the mirror. I tell you what. Take all your clothes off, not if you're driving. Stand, start naked in front of the mirror. Now, when you've stopped laughing, okay, then you've learnt how to uh, how to enjoy yourself. And I always think if you really want to enjoy yourself, go out and as you're wandering around, imagine people with no clothes on. That always makes me smile. I can sit there quite happily smiling at other people. Start naked. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. But that's, that's how you like yourself. You've got to like what you do. It doesn't matter whether you think you're good-looking or you're not good-looking or your hair's the wrong colour or, you know, you can't be bothered to have a shave or you haven't got any clothes to wear that you like or nothing fits you anymore or you're too fat, you're too small, your shoes, the heels are falling off, your socks have got holes in it, you don't have any friends, you know, you think you've got a drink problem. There's so many problems. Why don't you just wash them away? Wash them away. You know, friends you can find easy. I told you years ago how you find friends in London or any city or any town or any village. How do you find friends? You get a job in the local pub. OK, and it's more the pub than anywhere else. Not a restaurant, a pub, because in a pub, everybody's going to talk to you. You're the person that they want to communicate with. And the quicker you remember their name, the quicker they will like you. So Tom goes in there. Tom always has exactly the same. He'll have a pint of lager, lager top or whatever it happens to be. And you'll go in there. You've got usual Tom. Tom likes you immediately. All of a sudden, you're Tom's new best friend. Because that, that means that Tom all of a sudden is elevated in the bar. People go, he knows Tom. He knows what Tom has to drink. You will mo- meet more people in any town or any village or any capital if you work in a bar. Not a bar in a nightclub. Okay, we're excluding because nobody, they're too drunk, they're too revolting, they're on drugs, you don't want to do anybody, and you can't hear them. What? Too lager, too, too lager top, mate. Sorry? Lager top, like like, like, that there, lager top. Okay, too whiskey, too, and so it goes, you know, and in the end of the night, you've gone deaf. You hate the people there. People have thrown up over your... Sh- oh, it's ghastly. You bring your glass back. I've got no glasses. You bring the, gla- bring the glass back. You end up getting a bit angry with them. So don't get a job in a, in a discotheque. That's a waste of time. You'll end up becoming very stressed. and Nobody cares about you anyway, and you'll be the only one sober in a room full of drunks at the end of the night. But the local pub, that's where you want to be. Go around the tables. Hello. Hello, Tom. Another lager top. You know, and Tom loves you. Everybody will love you. I promise you, meet more people than ever before. 
There's no excuse. And it doesn't matter how old you are as well. You know, you can be, you can be over 40 and still get a job in a, in a bar. When I reach it, I'll let you know. You know, you should do these things. And then all of a sudden you make loads of new friends. And every time you go out, especially if it's in a village, they'll go, Hello, Steve. Hi, Tom. See you in tonight. And that's how it works. All of a sudden, people like you. You've got more friends. And, and then on your nights off, you go and sit in the same pub that you're serving in the rest of the time. And you sit there with your packet of crisps and your lager top. And that's the night that Tom doesn't come in. And you've unfortunately fallen for Tom by this time. And Tom's not really interested in you. Tom has now called the police and there's a court case pending. So all of a sudden, Tom absolutely hates you. So try Vicky. Always more fun, eh? Cross the other side of the fence, the dark side. 14 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Steve Allen's early breakfast. 12 minutes to five. It's the 23rd of January. And Glyn Perkins is over in Canada. He says, uh, if you are coming, (laughs) plan a trip to Toronto for June 27th this year. He says, I'm going to be having a party that weekend. Email me for details. Uh, You can also go to Ottawa, about a four-hour drive, for July the 21st, which is Canada Day. Glenn Perkins used to work for LBC. Terribly good-looking. Slim, good-looking. Really sickening. Really sickening. I'm only hoping he's aged badly. You know, that's the, the only thing you can hope when you know people for 20 or 30 years you've known of them. And, uh, and and then you, you bump into them again. Some of us have aged well. Some of us have not aged very well at all. But you, you have the image in your mind of what somebody looks like. In fact, by the time Tom's taken you to court over the harassment claims in the pub, you know, you will in a few years' time remember exactly what he looks like because the papers will be full of pictures of you and Tom in the happier days when you were friends. And then there'll be another picture of you with Tom with a picture of you that he's ripped in half and holding it, you know, because Tom by now hates you. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Little Julie says, uh, Winnie got given a menu from the Clapham branch of Steers and brought it into work. Looks quite good. They've got a burger called The Rave. So we thought we may give Steers a try when it opens in Twickenham. I don't know when it's opening. It's taken over from the Wimpy. Isn't it funny? Wimpies at one time were, were the place to go for us youngsters, Julie. When we went there and you'd have sort of... Oh, I shall love a burger with a bender. And then you'd have a milkshake. You know, in the proper days where they made a milkshake, not this triple thick milkshake that you can't get up the straw from McDonald's. That was the big selling point, wasn't it? The milkshake you can't suck up through a straw. You could (laughs) sit in there like that. Your cheeks had sort of invert themselves. It was a ghastly-looking thing. Everybody sitting there trying to drink the milkshake. You'd have to wait till it sort of got... Because it was... I don't know really what it was, whether it contained milk. I have no idea. We just used to love them. And uh, and then occasionally they did a banana milkshake, and that was a special day, special day. But over in the Wimpy, they did crusher milkshakes. So they pour milk into the thing, and then they pour the crusher liquid in, and oh, that was great. And then a Wimpy... Oh, the bender and a burger and onions and shit. Oh, God, it was delicious. So we'll wait and see what Steers is going to be like, shall we? We'll wait and see and see if that's going to be uh, any better. And um, hi, Steve from Edmonton, Alberta. What is this? Everybody in Canada is now listening to this programme. I've now found four people this morning, which is actually quite rare. I mean, Glyn, I knew, listened uh, every so often. But uh, Paul and Diane... Say, my Canadian wife and I listen to your show every night, being from England. I so appreciate the online technology. Great to hear you telling it as it is. You take the words out of most of our mouths. So Paul and Diane are in Edmonton, Alberta. How lovely. How lovely. I like the... Don't you think technology is brilliant? 
Don't you just think it's the most marvellous thing that I can sit here in what's loosely described as a matchbox? Uh, because it is fairly small, this little studio, but they did very well. They built it very quickly out of, out of nothing. Out of nothing. But the studio that they're building for us downstairs is like, I promise you, the, uh, the command centre of the Starship Enterprise. I mean, it looks fantastic. I mean, if the doors do not go like that, I'm going to make the noise every time I go through one. Because we have these uh, little passes, which, uh, which have all your... I'm presenter 13. I know, I also think it's a bit bad luck anyway. So I've got the... But I, I want the doors to go... That's what it looks like. I shall definitely be tweeting a picture of it. And you'll better see it on the television, because when Clegg comes in and Boris and everybody else, you will see straight away exactly what the studios look like, which is going to be great. So, uh, so that's it. And it's amazing. You can sit here in London... In Leicester Square, in the, in, the, in the heart of the capital, at seven minutes to five, and somebody is listening over in Canada. Over in Canada. I mean, it's like, you know, they've got loads of radio over in Canada. Admittedly, it's not the same as a little bit of radio from home. You know, it's just, it's, it's better when you hear something from your hometown, isn't it? It's from something that you know all about. And uh, and Jean says, I'll happily tour you through the Rockies. The train trip is awesome, but not cheap. Well, she says, I knew you wouldn't eat the lobster. We haven't got there yet. I might. She says, I ate six lobsters whilst on the ship. Excellent. Surf and turf. She says, dip the lobster into melted butter. Don't make me feel a bit queasy at the moment. <laughs> I don't think my stomach's up for that. I bought, what did I buy the other day? Shreddies. I brought some fruit and fibre the other week. I think that's just sugar for cereal. And so the other day I thought I'd be healthy and I bought shreddies. I'm not sure if I like shreddies, but I bought, I bought some milk. And so later on today I might have some shreddies when I get home. I probably won't, but I'm, I was sort of thinking about that because if we've got to have the lobster and we've got to have the, uh, the other bits and pieces, it should be quite interesting, shouldn't it? And uh, I remember going to McDonald's, Steve. For the first time, and asking for a wimpy and chips. Do you remember when you when you first went to McDonald's? First one opened, I think, in Wandsworth here, and uh, they said, uh, "Have a, a Big Mac," <laughs> like we knew what we were talking about. Hilarious. And so this sort of thing turned up. The burger that was just—it was like two burgers stacked on stacked. Now, of course, you just go Big Mac. I don't think so. It's got that gunky gherkin on it, Ugh, which everybody hates in this country. Nobody enjoys gherkins. I think the only people who enjoy it are McDonald's. Perhaps they've got the. Uh, the, 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 the total control over all the gherkins in the world. I can't bear it, actually. But, uh, yeah, and now the wimpy's gone. Where, where'd you get a Knickerbocker Glory? Where'd you get a Knickerbocker Glory? I can remember having a Knickerbocker Glory when I was young and a wimpy. And I said to my mum, you know, you'd had your first course. And you go, but what, what would you want for dessert? Not a brown derby. You know, and you go, no, I'll have a Knickerbocker Glory. And your mother would say, you won't eat it. You go, as I will. Is a will. And a Knickerbocker Glory came in a Knickerbocker Glory glass. And, and it was fantastic. And it was sort of bits of tinned fruit and some ice cream and some drizzly sauce on it. And it came to the table with a huge spoon. And you'd look at it as a child. And you'd think to yourself, I feel sick. But of course, because your mum had said, well, let's see whether you eat it all. And you'd go, I can eat it all. So you put your spoon right down to the bottom of the glass. And then you take it and then it dribbles down the side. Then you get into trouble again. I was constantly getting into trouble over my Knickerbocker glories. Constantly. Uh, so happy memories of things like that. Uh, Billy says, I made lots of new friends when I became a bouncer at a local club. Oh, well, bouncers always talk to people because bouncers traditionally are there to sort of chat up the girl. All right, darling, want to come here? Yeah, pretty little thing you are. What's your name? Sorry? Chantel? 
You're not coming in, love. All right, you're not coming in. And that's what bouncers do. They stand there. I quite like to go to a club once where all the bouncers were gay and they weren't remotely interested in the girls because the girls have to be nice to the bouncers to get into the clubs because, generally speaking, they're a bit worse for wear. And so if you're a bouncer on a nightclub, especially in London, all they do is stand there and leer at all the girls. They say, oh, like you, kind of thing. And you look at the bouncers and 90% of them are desperately unattractive. I don't want to be rude about bouncers. You know, because I know quite a few of them, but they're desperately unattractive. They, they aren't employed for their looks. I did used to know one who's actually a cab driver now called Steve. And Steve, when he was younger, was, I mean, stunning looking. He was blonde, slim, Afghan hound, mini, you know, had the whole caboodle. I'm delighted to say he's, uh, he's, he's gone the way of all the rest of us. All put on weight, the hair falls out. It's not a pleasant day when it happens. It really isn't. Uh, Gary says, uh, am I the happiest person in the world because I'm single? Um, I think you can be as happy being single as you can being in a relationship. Again, it comes down to, do you like yourself? If you're one of these people who sits there thinking, I I haven't got a girlfriend, I haven't got a boyfriend, I haven't got any friends, I can't do anything else. Go out and make friends. I'm not saying you go up to people in the street and start talking to them, because that's a sure way of getting yourself arrested. But, you know, there is a way of doing it. You just go into shops. Hello. Just it's called developing a personality. Seriously, it's called developing a personality. Once you've done that and once you like yourself, you know, the rest of it is a bonus. The fact that you've got, you know, some money in your bank account, you can go to the machine and it doesn't go refer to your card issuer. You know, we're not, not giving you any money. That's when you start panicking, isn't it? Or the bills come in and you start thinking, I can't afford that. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put them all to one side and I'll pay one later on. And you never do. Uh, Marisa says, if the McDonald's ribs don't have a bone in them, then they're just formed pieces of rib meat. Well, that's what I think they are. That's what I think they are. I mean, they, they call them the McRib because it's shaped and it looks like a... But there's no, there's no bone in it. I thought it was just a burger shaped like a rib, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know how different it is from their normal burgers. I've got no idea. But it's definitely shaped. That's what it is. It, 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 it's definitely not a rib. I know what ribs look like. This isn't a rib at all. It definitely is not a rib. It's something that's shaped to look like what they think a rib looks like. But, of course, I bought ribs before. In fact, I buy them on, on a regular basis. Uh, Zed says, loving the show. I want to be your friend. I have friends. Thank you. I have more than enough friends. More than enough friends. Uh, Steve, I like Rice Krispies, and I still put my ear close to the bowl to hear the snap, crackle and pop. They don't snap, crackle and pop. That's the whole joke about them, isn't it? They don't snap, crackle and pop. Because every cereal does exactly the same. You pour it on shreddies, it'll make exactly the same noise. You know, snap, crackle and pop. As they've got little kids on the television. Liars, I call them. Liars. They don't go snap, crackle and pop. I think people tend to think it's a bit like um, a sort of a, a small firework display going on, going on in your cereal bowl. And we all know it's not. We all know it's not. I wonder if you get cereal abroad. Do you think it tastes the same? I know milk doesn't taste the same when you go abroad. Do you think if you're in Monaco at the moment or in a posh hotel and you'd say, have you got any Rice Krispies? Do you think they would produce Rice Krispies with sort of proper milk? I only say proper milk because every time I go abroad, nobody can make a cup of tea. You ask them for a cup of tea and it's sort of... T- and you're there, what's that? They go, tea. And you go, do you have any milk? Oh, you want milk with it. It's like asking for, you know, if you have a cup of tea in a Chinese restaurant, it doesn't come with milk. You have to ask for milk because it's China tea and you're supposed to drink it without. It's horrible. Horrid. Not nice at all. Loads more stories to come for you this morning on LBC with Steve Allen. There's plenty more to come. Lisa Aziz here, 6.30 with the morning news. David Cameron expressing his sadness at the death of Saudi Arabia's King Abdullah, who's died at the age of, they think, about 90. 
The deadline for Japan to pay the ransom for the release of two men being held by the Islamic State militants is due to come to an end just before six o'clock this morning. That's less than an hour. Prince Andrew has spoken for the first time to deny allegations he had underage sex with a teenage girl more than ten years ago. He said, I just want to get on with my job. Although nobody's too sure what his job is. The triple murderer who screamed, I can smell the injection before he died. Mesmerising or dull, Wolf Hall divides the viewers. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday morning. It's the 23rd of January. The police to probe Leon Britton beyond the grave. Prince Andrew breaks his silence but says nothing. Uh, TV's Paul Hollywood. My wife's the girl for me. This is the man who cheated on the wife and she threatened to cut his little small spherical things off. And he came crawling back. It's all a bit embarrassing, actually. Gemma Collins claims to have lost weight. It's funny, actually. Kept a bit of a low profile since we've asked her about the £40,000 that's supposed to be going to charity. Uh, The triple murderer. This is the second time we've had a a murderer being executed. Uh, The first one said that he was on fire as the uh, as the drugs took effect and now this one says he could smell the injection i wasn't aware there was any smell of any injection because to be honest with you all it is it comes through the wall the people pushing the uh, thing there's three of them next door and they don't know which one's got the stuff in which kills them and it just comes through the wall they connect them up and it goes into your arm i've never smelt anything like that might be a smell that goes with hospitals but uh, you know if, if somebody's taken away your life and i'm a, i'm a big uh, advocate of no death penalty I don't know what the answer is, because, you know, having a death penalty, even in America, it's not a deterrent, is it? You get psychopathic killers, you know. I mean, you can imagine, when eventually we get Jihadi John, you know, and we do, we do do something with him. I don't know what it is to do with him. I think we should give him to the French, let them execute him. I think that would be the best thing, or the Japanese, or somebody. Because over here, they'll just put him in prison. Bit of a waste of time, isn't it, really? Uh, listening to you in Vancouver, says Jane. Come and present a show over here. It'll be an improvement on what we've got at the moment. I don't know any... Isn't it funny? I know um, American present. I don't know American presenters, but I've heard of American radio presenters, but I don't know any Canadian presenters. I, I, I'm sure there must be some famous people in Canada, but I don't know any of them, I'm afraid, which is a shame. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here from uh, from June. Says, I'm struggling with watching Wolf Hall. Why? Mark Rylance looks too much like Mark Jenkins from Hotel. I d- somebody said the only problem with Wolf Hall is that it's too dark. It's been filmed deliberately dark because then I think it sort of covers up the fact that it's it's modern as opposed to it's supposed to be in Tudor times. And Tudor times, it would have been dark. would have been candles everywhere, so it would have been very, very dark. Very, very dark. Trudy, Trudy's in Vancouver. What have I got? Everybody in Vancouver listening to this programme at the moment, which is, uh, which is interesting, so thank you for that one. And Jan says, it's uh, so very true. I'd like to think I'm one of the three out of ten happy people, too. I've done bar work in the past, but now as a, a busy 63-year-old, 65... I've made you friends, joined a local book group, you know, and it's and also friends through listening to you. 
and the three or four lunches that the uh, the Steve Allen groupies have every year. And it's a good opportunity. People sit down. You don't have to talk about Steve Allen. Far too boring, isn't it? You could talk about other things. But they all do it. They all do it. She says, today I'm off to the Barbican to see if I'm eligible to participate in an Alzheimer's study. If I'm eligible, I'll have cognitive testing and a blood test and would be monitored for five years. Wow. Wow. You see, there's so many things you can do. So many things that you can do now to sort of to keep yourself busy. So many things, you know, people go, when you retire, they go, I don't want to retire. And I can't think of anything worse. Why would you want to retire? Try and find things to do. Keep yourself busy. Because otherwise you just sit there staring out the window. And that's pretty dull, isn't it? I don't think anybody should do that. Uh, No more talk of food. I'm starving. Working till seven with no food, says Steve in Ashton Underline. Well, you must force yourself. And um, Billy the Bouncers come back again. Rice Krispies definitely do snap, crackle and pop. No, they don't. All right. It just sounds like they do. Okay. Uh, Somebody else says, when I worked in Weybridge, a mate of mine called Kevin was a bouncer at Kingston on Thames Nightclub. One of the nicest people I've ever known. Yeah, I mean, I knew loads of bouncers. In fact, I bumped into a couple of them a short while ago. I bumped into a couple who I'd not seen for years. They didn't seem to have aged. I was the only one who'd seemed to have, to have aged a little bit. Should we have a look through the papers? Should we let you know what everything's, uh, what everything's going on this morning? As you can well imagine, uh, it's going to be the war on error for the sun today. And this is out of the 250 returning jihadis in the UK, only 40 face prosecution. But the Crown demands £5 million retrial of four Sun journalists. War on error, they say. And I, I agree with that as well. Uh, also, Sty Stallone getting his teeth into a bread roll, set to shoot a series of commercials in the north of England, parodying his iconic boxing movies. This is for Warburton's. Can't quite understand why we've picked Sylvester Stallone. Has he fallen on hard times or something? Here's um, Kate Moss wearing a, a very elaborate fur coat. I thought she was uh, one of those people who said she'd rather go naked than wear fur, or I got that confused and somebody else said that. Of course, it's a load of old codswallop, isn't it, really? Uh, My focus is my work, says Prince Andrew. Ha, 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 whatever work that is. Nobody knows what it is. He says, I wish to reiterate and reaffirm the statements already made on my behalf by Buckingham Palace. My focus is my work. And, uh, And so the son have said, so you haven't thought about the lurid sex claims. Duke, out of his depth, they say. I mean, he's uh, he's never a confident speaker. He's got to find something for himself, but he has he actually doesn't have any talent for doing anything at all. He had a talent for being, you know, a bit sort of, I don't know, a bit naff, I suppose. And so here he is, but he's uh, he's just gone back to the Buckingham Palace statements, emphatically denies any sexual contact with Virginia Roberts. Now, as I've said before, you don't know, I don't know, nobody knows. The only person who knows is him. I mean, couldn't they just hook him up inadvertently to a lie detector machine and see what happens? It's funny that Buckingham Palace have started denying stuff for him like they were there. I always find that very interesting. Very interesting. Katie Hopkins, the fraud on television, talking about Pricey Perez and Patsy, poor me. And, of course, as you know, she's, uh, she's losing the plot. And uh, she talks about the beauty that is Katie Price. Quite clearly, she's obviously got a befuddled mind. Poor Katie Hopkins, otherwise known as Life's Uglies. I mean, she's not the best-looking thing in the world. I could say that. Because that's what she does in her column when she talks about people. So, you know, she's obviously used to that kind of stuff. But as you all know, we know she's fraudulent. We know she's a nice person. It's just pretend. It's pretend. She's not, she's not really like that at all. She's just having to do it to try and keep the column. Because without that, God knows what she's got. But she talks about uh, Kieran is a cretin 
and uh, he says that, that, that she says that Katie Price is a beautiful wife. Katie Price is beautiful. Well, there you go. Katie Hopkins, turn around. Actually, just after half past this morning, we've got uh, two clips from this weekend's In Conversation. Bonnie Tyler and Johnny Vegas, who are going to be with me on Sunday morning on LBC. The interviews are really good. Really, really good. You're going to absolutely love them. So we'll have a little, little couple of clips for you this morning as a little taster. A little something to get you listening on Sunday morning. Uh, up nice and early. How many sex crimes reported every day? I said 500 a week. They reckon nearly 200 sex crimes are reported every day. Uh, Killer drivers, up 35%. Blackmail, up 65%. Child abduction, up 21%. Kidnapping, kidnapping, up 25%. Child abuse images, up 36%. And rape, up 31%. Small wonder the police have got no time for doing anything at all. Anything at all. They're constantly, you know, having people going in there. Callum Best is in one of the papers today. It's nothing exciting. Don't worry. Callum Best breathes would be an interesting headline. And uh, his secret weapon to pulling women is a David Beckham lookalike called Jamie Gleeson. And it works a treat. I mean, Callum Best, who's, what, 70, 85 now? I don't know how old he is. But he's well past his sell-by. Not that he ever had a sell-by. Or he had a past, really, which is a bit of a shame. And so he goes out there and, uh, and pulls. I mean, perhaps he'll find somebody eventually. I think it's unlikely. I think very... I mean, really, I can't think of anybody who's going to be remotely interested in Callum Best. I mean, he needs to, needs to develop a personality, first of all, because the thing that we've seen in the Big Brother house is absolutely not, not of any interest to anybody at all. Uh, Eamon Holmes has boasted of his sex life. Sorry. It became quite queasy then, actually. I thought it was going to be ill. Uh, with Ruth Langsford. He says, I love Ruth deeply, but I also fancy her. Well, every time I've seen her, it's only, you know, close up. I mean, she's great. Really great. But um, as somebody said once, you know, sex... Well, it wasn't with him, but I've adapted it. You know, having sex with Eamon Holmes would be like a double wardrobe with a small key in the lock falling on you. And I think it would be roughly like that. Speaking at the National Television Awards, people say... Eamon, why do you work so much just to get out of the house? Um, He says, it's fantastic. That's what Ruth says. He's married to me. It gets better when you get older because you know what you're doing. Ooh, la, 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 la. Make them stop. Dear me. He says, how could I resist? No wonder I look tired all the time. It's funny, she doesn't. So perhaps you're by yourself, dear. Perhaps you're by yourself. He said she doesn't like going out, but she would complain if I didn't do anything for her. I'm wasted on that woman. I put rose petals in the bath for her. I'm a romantic. Somebody said to me that Eamon Holmes doesn't do anything. There was a piece in the paper at home. If you watch him on the television on Sky News, he doesn't appear to do anything. All the little girlies do stuff for him because he looks totally useless. I I can't imagine him cooking, cleaning, doing anything. But I can imagine Ruth doing the whole bit. He says, what's the point of being in a relationship if you're not romantic? I don't know, she's watching you age before her eyes. I mean, perhaps he should dye his hair. Don't you think so? Grey is so last year. So last year. Uh, Andrew, I stand by the palace denial. And uh, the prince speaking for the first time on the scandal. It's something he shouldn't have even been at. Although, as I say, all the good and the great, in inverted commas, seem to go to Davos. It just seems to be like a lot of people who whiz around the world not doing very much. Tony Blair was there. Uh, Pete Mandelson. And uh, Prince Andrew is not being paid to be there, paid for himself to go. And he's not there representing the country or the quit. What's he doing there? What's he doing there? Perhaps, he, perhaps he's so arrogant that he seriously believes he's making a difference. Do you know what he was doing there? Do you know what he was talking about? No. Do you know what he stands for? No. Do you know any of his policies? No. Do you know anything about him? Nothing. Not a thing. What does he do? Stand there and talk about, you know, how he landed the helicopter on Buckingham Palace's lawn. 
You know, I mean, what else does he talk about at Davos? I don't know what the, uh, what the thing is. He says, my focus is my work. What work, dear? What work? What work do you do? You know, if you tell me what Prince Charles, you know, does, then I know. I know what Prince Charles does. I don't know what Prince Andrew does. Perhaps he's the black sheep of the family. Perhaps he's the one who doesn't do anything. Anyway, he arrived at the uh, reception flanked by staff and a security guard. What, Prince Andrew? A security guard? Staff? Who's paying for that? He'd flown in by private jet on Wednesday night and is staying in a hotel in a chalet in nearby Cloisters. Well, it's not the one he's just bought, is it? He's staying there. Buckingham Palace say he's paying for the trip. Yeah, because he doesn't have a job. He doesn't do anything. On the eve of the speech, apparently more damaging allegations uh, coming from lawyers acting for Miss Roberts. Her legal team requested in court documents that the prince make a statement under oath. She says she was kept as a sex slave by Andrew's former friend and convicted paedophile Jeffrey Epstein since she was 15 and forced to sleep with the prince three times from the age of 17. He's denied all of it. You know, which... Kind of makes sense, doesn't it, really? But at some point, the truth is going to come out, isn't it? And all he says is, I wish to reaffirm statements made on my behalf by the palace. And then sort of, you know, ha, 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 carried on, you know, ha, 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 kind of thing. You know, doing what he's doing, I've got no idea. He said, I mean, you know, all he says, well, my focus is my work, but nobody knows what his work is. Perhaps he's a bit like Sarah Ferguson, who's flogging blenders over in America. Perhaps it's a bit like that. Perhaps he, you know, she perhaps doesn't know what she's doing either half the time. And then he's sort of there going, um, you know, I'm getting on with my work. And nobody knows what his work is. So flanked by staff and a security guard for Prince Andrew. I mean, good Lord. Quarter past five. In Britain's conversation, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning as the health unions and the government resume talks on pay in the hope of avoiding a strike next week. Do you have any sympathy for public sector workers? And this Saturday, the 50th anniversary of Winston Churchill's death, Nick talks to an historian who was at the funeral and also a director of the Churchill Centre in Chicago. And he'll be asking what would the world be like now if it hadn't been for Churchill. Paxman, uh, Jeremy Paxman, has come up with some some really ridiculous comments, but he's obviously trying to flog a little television programme. And... um, The morning after, Prince Andrew didn't say much about certain allegations. The royal commentator, Phil Dampier, is the paper reviewer. Nick Ferrari with you at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. And uh, Prince Andrew, I was watching him giving his speech at this uh, this conference. To be honest with you, I've got no idea who he's talking for. He's not representing this country, not paid by this country. The Queen's not paying for him to be there. So is he just some... Some bloke standing up going, oh, I think we should do this and that. Because if he's not paid by anybody for being there, what's he doing there? Or is it because they kowtow to people like that? I've got no idea why. I just can't understand it. Nobody's paying him. He has no job. And he says, I want to get on with my job. But he doesn't actually have a job. A bit like Paul Hollywood, who says he's the happiest he's ever been with his wife, Alexandra. This is after he disappeared to America and started having an affair with his uh, co-host, another, another TV chef, Marcella... Valodid, uh, to celebrate their repaired marriage. He's whisking his wife away because she threatened to take him to the cleaners. She threatened to take him to the cleaners. And so, of course, you know, better to give up your money. So, you know, my wife is the grill for me, as it is. And he's going to take her away to somewhere romantic. I've got no idea where that could be. I don't know where a romantic place is. I suppose anywhere where you are. Miranda says, don't forget me in Canada as well. I left England in 68 when I was 14 and still miss it a lot. 
born in a little town called Barliston in the Midlands. She's now in Toronto in Canada. We've got no end of people in, in Canada listening to this programme. I can only assume that Canadian radio must be absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. David says, um, I used to live in Vancouver and um, one of the guys over here working for... Because they've all got um, call signs, don't they? You won't find anything called LBC over there. You'll have it at CNKWY. You know, or, you know... <laughs> I can't think of another one. I said anyone I could think of off the top of my head. CNKVV. You know, it's a bright good morning in Vancouver. And it's all a little bit like that. It's all a little bit like DJing from about the 1970s. But uh, Bill Good is a memorable presenter if he's still going. Could be dead, actually. You don't know, do you, with these people? They seem to be much older, the presenters, I've discovered, in uh, in Canada. You know, I'm, I'm sure they do have younger people over there, but the majority seem to be a little bit older than, uh, than usual. Uh, our best-known radio presenter is somebody with CBC. He's in big trouble since uh, late October, but you can't talk about him now. He's a bit, a bit of history. But his show was syndicated. Actually, the syndication Jan, this is another Jan, this is Jan, not my regular one, she's in Canada, and um, and uh, uh, sort of over there, people get syndicated shows. That's how they make their money. They make a, and also, the other way they make their money is by doing what they call live adverts. So, in other words, they, they base the advert on a presenter's popularity. So, if, for example, if I was Canadian, they'd say, Steve Allen's very good. So, if we're doing a show about celebrities, we'll get Steve to read. And at the Augustine Theatre this coming Saturday, you can see, so you want to be a celebrity. You know, that kind of stuff. And then you get paid based on that because they know that your fans would turn up to, uh, to see something like that. Incidentally, I do have a book out which you can pre-order on Amazon. I've never mentioned it. I'm, I'm telling you for the first time now. So, you want to be a celebrity. And it's based, really, on the fact that that's what young people want nowadays. I mean, the book is specifically aimed at sort of that middle market of people who have an obsession with wanting to be famous. But with the highs and the huge lows and the huge troughs and the depression and the bankruptcies come all the pitfalls. And this book tells you about the pitfalls, uh, the people who've made it, the people who are struggling. You know, will half them be around in five years' time? Pretty unlikely. Pretty unlikely. You know, already poor, poor White D is so desperate now. Only, the only way she can get in the paper is by saying that she's not going to become an MP now because it doesn't pay enough money. And so she sits there puffing away on her cigarettes. Very shortly, emphysema will set in and we'll all have to look after her. And that's about as good as it's going to get, I'm afraid. Because it turns out that, you know, anything, anything can, can happen to people nowadays. Uh, Richard says, if you're in the same situation as Prince Andrew and genuinely not guilty of the claims stated, wouldn't you relish the chance of facing the accuser? Yes, absolutely. If somebody made an allegation against you, Richard, they said, Richard, you did this and you go, no, I didn't. And they go, do you want to come to court? You go, come to court. Stop me going there. I'll be suing and I'll be seriously looking for big damages because if she's made this story up, he can sue her. She's got a book coming out. We, we know that there's a book coming out and presumably the lawyers will be looking at it very carefully. She's making all these allegations. You cannot make allegations against somebody without having some sort of, uh, of sort of evidence to fall back on. There's got to be something that you can fall back on and say, listen, I know this happened because we all remember the David Beckham, didn't we, where he was alleged to have had this affair with this woman. And uh, he said, I didn't and I'm suing. And she said, I know something about him that nobody else would know unless you'd been in that position. That was the last you ever heard of it. The Beckhams never took her to court, never took her to court, never sued, nothing at all. 
You know, because she knew something about him. I, t- I didn't like to hazard a guess at what it could be. But I'm sure you've all thinking along roughly the same lines if you've listened to this programme before. I just think it's sort of quite odd that somebody would make allegations about Prince Andrew and he would not want... Unless, of course, he's being, he's being dignified and saying, I'm not going to demean myself by actually taking this any further. I'm just telling you that nothing happened. But wouldn't you be wanting to? Because he's got no income. He's got no money, as it, as, it, as it were. Unless it's the money that's come from the selling of South York, that ghastly pile which has now fallen into disrepair. I don't know whether or not the money from that is keeping him going. Because he, he appears to say, I want to get on with my job, but all of us know he doesn't actually have a job. He just turns up and then shakes hands, and then people say, so what are you doing about this? Are you not fighting these allegations? Do you not want to see her in court? Do you know, you know it's, it's entirely possible she might be making it up. She might be one of these fantasists. Won't be the first time. Won't be the first time somebody's appeared in court and perjured themselves. Wouldn't be difficult, would it? And you'd want to do it. You would want to sort of make sure that, you know, you're... Because otherwise, there's this cloud that hangs over him. And if I was Prince Andrew, I'd have wanted to clear it up straight away. I mean, that's just me, I suppose. Greetings from Vienna, from Wien, from Paul Hollingdale, on the programme this morning. No snow yet in the city. Now, normally... Uh, this time, I should imagine, they'd be knee-deep. Oh, God, it gets cold in Vienna. Paul, does it not get cold? He says, I thought you might like to know some advanced info on the Eurovision Song Contest 2015. Yes, it may be four or five months away from the event in May, but here they already or already all van- advanced with their plans. Most tickets sold to fill the Stadthalle. It's 15,000 seats. Some of the streetcars have been colourfully... Covered in advertising under the theme Burning Bridges. They've got a countdown machine outside the Rat House, which is the City Hall. And the ORF, the st- in Argentina Strasse, just round the corner. And they've uh, also, it's going to be three lady presenters. No males. And of course, the presence of last year's winner, Conchita Wurst. The bearded lady will be positioned in the green room area, talking to the many contestants... Uh, as they wait anxiously their fate on the night. The stage setting has been designed in the shape of a large eye, illuminated with thousands of LED-coloured lights. Looks spectacular. They reckon around 200 million viewers will tune in to the various events. And there's a lot of excitement in Vienna. He says, the question is, what are the UK going to offer in the way of our 2015 contestant? You know, I haven't got the faintest idea. I don't even think we've thought about it. I don't know. Would, would you like, you know, Westlife or something like that to represent? I don't know who we're going to put forward. I've got no idea. I mean, I know it's, you know, five months away. But to be honest with you, I don't think anybody's thought about it. I mean, we, we don't tend to be particularly good at it. Ireland are very good at it. It's going to cost a small fortune. But I like the idea of the big eye on the stage. I think that sounds fantastic. So uh, greetings to you, Paul, in Vienna. And he will keep us up to date on what's happening over there. for your- So three... Three female presenters, three female presenters, and uh, Conchita Wurst will be there interviewing people in the green room. It's always a bit nerve-wracking, isn't it, Eurovision? I just think all the other contestants look so good-looking. So good-looking. Actually, this weekend, for In Conversation, we'll have a little clip after the news coming up. Bonnie Tyler, who did represent Britain for Eurovision. I didn't dwell too much on it, because I don't think we're doing very well. We're not very good at Eurovision, are we? Well, not for ages, since, you know, we've had Cliff and... And uh, and all the other people, but for ages they haven't managed to find it. And yet, some of the songs I thought were particularly good, everybody else said they're rubbish. So perhaps I've got no idea anymore. Perhaps I'm getting too old to try and work out what's a good hit single. News time, five thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Morning, well, everybody. Nice to have your company. Uh, the question says Kevin the Milton should be asked to Prince Andrew is, did you or did you not? Yeah, but they cut. the trouble is he's not been charged with anything. I mean, all this is just one girl making allegations in America and then her people writing to him over here. He said no. I mean, but there's no doubt that he must know her because we've got a picture of him with Ghislaine. She says that when she met Ghislaine, uh, things changed for her. You know, she was then sort of pushed around the world. She was forced to sleep with various people. I mean, I'm not naive to think that I haven't heard these stories before. Whether or not it's true, I don't know. I really have no idea. Uh, Chris in Chesterfield says, Sylvester Stallone Sunday night is doing a show at Sheffield City Hall. Top tickets are £200 and another 500 to have a picture taken with him. It's sold out. Is it really? Imagine the pinnacle of Sylvester Stallone's career appearing at Sheffield City Hall. Well done him. <laughs> As they say, uh, 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. Now, this coming Sunday, and in fact every Sunday in conversation, this is where a couple of uh, well-known names and faces uh, come into the studio to talk about a project. It could be a book, a film, a play, uh, something they're heavily involved with, or they'll just come in and talk about themselves. We have 24 minutes with them, and uh, we try and get as much out of them as possible. And every week... The names, you know, in the frame get better. And if you go back through the archives on LBC, you'll discover some really huge names. Everybody from Billy Crystal to, to um, well, just everybody. I mean, if, if they've been in the news, they've been in to LBC's In Conversation. So for this Sunday morning, uh, we have two for you. Uh, the first one uh, has got a very, a very husky voice. Arguably one of the most successful singers to ever have come out of Wales with hits like Total Eclipse of the Heart and It's a Heartache. She was born Gaynor Hopkins, but she changed it because, surprisingly, living just up the road from her was Mary Hopkins. And Mary Hopkins went on to win television programmes, married Tony Visconti and had lots of hit singles. But uh, Bonnie Tyler then emerged. She's playing at the O2 on the 7th of February with her band, celebrating... 40 years in show business. And she came in to tell me about the first gig she went to and her love of playing with a band. I remember when I first went to when I was first old enough to go into a club just to listen to a, a band. They wouldn't let you in, you know, unless no. you were 18. But I I, I, uh, I was, like, working in a shop at the time and I was only 16. <laughs> I just left school and I started work straight away. And uh, I knew one of the ladies that uh, worked in the club so she snuck, snuck me in the back door, you know. So and I was listening to this band and there was this girl singer with this band. And I, at, at the end of her set, I went up to her and I said, um, excuse me, can you tell me how, how did you get to work with the band? And she said, excuse me, I want to go to the toilet. <laughs> and I thought, oh, great. I've never heard of her since, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's poetic justice for you. It's uh-huh. true. Pe- people didn't like to help other people out in the clubs because if you actually got the gig, you wanted to hang on to it for as long as possible. <laughs> But working six nights a week was good because if if you couldn't stand up to working in the clubs, they didn't book you. Yeah, I um, we used to have different kind of uh, music every night. We'd have a rock night, we'd have a blues night. Um, on a Sunday, we used to do old time dancing. We used to do all yes. all the music that they danced to, you know. Um, uh, so we did quick steps, bossa novas, and all kinds of music, you know. Yeah. So, so you can sing any genre of music. She certainly can. She looks fantastic. I mean, she really looks fantastic. Bonnie Tyler, you'll hear more from her this coming Sunday morning on LBC In Conversation. And it's the 7th of February. She's at the Indigo 
at the O2. Uh, my next guest is also well known for his voice, even though he cuts quite a different figure to Bonnie Tyler. Actually, I don't know, though. Uh, you'll recognise him as either the drug dealer Moz or Wet Eric on the telly. Regularly on the comedy panels, he's back in Benidorm. He's the actor and comedian Johnny Vegas. Born Michael Pennington, but what I didn't realise was that his on-screen screen career started as a contestant on the game show Win, Lose or Draw, which he told me was down just to money at the time. I was living in Glasgow. I was, I was absolutely skint. I moved up there for a gig, a weekly gig at King Tut's that fell through. And my only way of actually making money was I applied to go on there as a contestant. So I actually needed to win. I needed the money to, to, to pay me rent. And I ended up doing a couple of days warm-up. Kim Kinney from the comedy store produced it. Yeah. And had seen me, but I'd, I'd, I'd had a full of gigs. So I ended up staying on doing a couple of days warm-up. I met the warm-up man, the most nervous guy you've ever met. <laughs> he had a vice-like grip and wouldn't leave go. And after two minutes, you know, you're going, I, I really... And he, he ran off. He ran off. He had a panic attack. I feel so sorry for warm-up men. I've seen oh, a it's few. it's the toughest. It's the toughest uh, gig because oh. they go, uh, go out there now. Uh, we need pro we'll just keep going until we tell you uh, we're ready to shoot now. Yeah, but Thankless. everybody's watching the cameras. Yeah. And everybody... And when Loser Joe had an audience of about 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'd come straight off a minibus. Yes. All I could do was play my nose after, after doing that three times. <laughs> you only think, my set isn't blue, but it's not really suitable for this crowd. No. You can't come out and shout at these, because three of them <laughs> might clutch the chest and fall over. <laughs> he was on really good form. Johnny Vegas, you'll hear him this Sunday on In Conversation. That's between 5 and 6am on Sunday morning, then I'm live between 6 and 8, with the best review of the Sunday papers you're ever going to hear anywhere. And then it's repeated. In Conversation, not my Sunday programme, although you can podcast it. Uh, so In Conversation is repeated between 9 and 10, just after Clive Bull and just before you get Duncan Barks. So that's this coming week. Johnny Vegas and Bonnie Tyler. It's, it's a winning combination, let me tell you. They were both on very, very good form, very good form. And uh, tickets for Bonnie Tyler at the Indigo at the O2 for the 7th of February. And Johnny Vegas, of course, back in Benidorm. He came back. He was in the first lot and then he came out again and he said it just seemed just seemed right to go in there. So uh, good for him. The one thing that we've talked about on LBC over the years, in fact, on most of the programmes, is carers. Uh, these are the, the UK's unpaid carers. These are everybody from children through to older people who have to look after a partner. And it's 24-hour care. I've seen it on the television. I've seen programmes on carers. I've met quite a number of carers in my time. People who have to look after elderly, you know, mum and dad and that means, you know, getting them into the bathroom, getting their breakfast ready. They had a girl, she turned up on Noel's Christmas presents a while ago and I think she was about 12 or 13 and she looked after her disabled parents. She got up in the morning she made sure that they had their breakfast and everything else. And to be honest with you, I mean, how these people survive I've got no idea. They are the unpaid carers. They now say that they're poor they're lonely because they don't have any life. This was a schoolgirl. Her friends used to have to come round to the house. She couldn't go out and leave her parents. These people are desperate. They spend days looking after loved ones. It's almost 24-hour care. They're doing it because the government doesn't give a forex because somebody's doing it. So they go, well, that's fine. Let's let somebody else do the problem. They now say that they're on the brink of collapse. 39% are cutting back on essentials like food to try and make ends meet. 50% have seen relationships fall apart under the strain of caring. 80% of Britain's army of unpaid carers feel alone and isolated. They've got nobody 
apart from certain people in the media who bang the gong for them and draw attention to them. I mean, it really is absolutely appalling. You know, really dreadful. There's a good, a good feature, especially on a guy called Paul Davis. Paul was put into the role of carer um, at the age of just 19. At the age of 19. You know, desperate to try and juggle his studies, a job, looking after, after Kate who was his girlfriend and now his wife. He's had uh, depression. He's taken an overdose. You know, it's dreadful. He says, as a carer, you place an expectation on yourself to be the one that holds everything together. You neglect yourself to look after the other person. I don't know how people do it. I really don't. I really don't. I think it's, you know, I just think it's the most fantastic thing that they do. But there's so little... So little help that is given to them. You know, there is help there, but, but they just... Some people don't have enough time to go and ask for it. They really don't. 84850, steve at uk. I'm in Winnipeg, says uh, Miyako, originally from St uh, Albert in Alberta. My uncle lives in London and was recently visiting when he turned me on to LBC. So now I'm an addict. Love you and Nick Abbott. Well, there you go. I don't mind sharing it. I could share with, uh, with uh, that. Looking forward to Bonnie Tyler on Sunday, says Sharon. I'm a carer too. She says, this Prince Andrew thing, you know, it's interesting, you know, while these girls, were they reluctantly being flown around the world? No, they weren't. They were being flown around for a purpose, quite clearly. Uh, And what they are is, it comes down to the fact that they're doing a job. That's what it is. It comes down to a job. And what they've done, I think, in one of the newspapers the other day, it might have been the Metro, they've got the flight logs to find out where they were. And they've discovered that Prince Andrew and this girl were at the same place at the same time. Now, whether that links two people together, I've got no idea. As I say, he's not been charged with anything. Absolutely nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Warren says, did you ever do a conversation with Deirdre Barlow? I didn't. I didn't. I've done a number of Coronation Street people, but I never did her. She was she was shy. She was really shy. She just didn't want to... She wasn't that kind of person. She did the job. She didn't do it reluctantly. She just didn't want to do the publicity side of it. Newspaper interviews were OK, because you could do them over the telephone, which was a, a lot easier. Actually, I turned on the telly the other day. Lorraine was doing her programme. Lorraine. Oh, you're gorgeous. You're wonderful. I love you. Uh, kind of thing. And she had on that uh, bloke from the army who changed his sex. And uh, to be honest with you, that's about the 1500th interview I've seen with this person. I'm so bored with it. I mean, I'm really so bored with it. It's so dull. It just looked like a bloke with short hair. Sounded like a bloke. Didn't look any different to me. But apparently the army are quite good at things like that now. Ray Mears, £10,000. Can you appear at a camping show? Uh, Not anymore. Because he slated caravans on television. The promoter says we can't align with someone who doesn't agree with our with our core values. He's insulted the people who come to the show. Mary Perry said on Caravan Times website after the sacking, justice has been served. Oh dear, they're quite, they're quite vitriolic, aren't they, in the caravan world? They're quite, they're quite brazen. And uh, believe it or not, the Mirror today have an, an exclusive. Ed Sheeran, my story. Oh, no, tell, please, please tell me. Please tell me it's not a sex change. Please tell me he's not going to do transgender or anything like that. No, Ed Sheeran, we drank every day until a stranger changed my life. Pretty racy stuff. I spent a week sleeping seven hours a day on tube trains. Gets better. I had no cash, no home, and I wanted to quit music. Wow. Ed Sheeran, my story. They're trying to give him a bit of an edge. Not kind of working, is it, really? Quarter to six. All protected. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Morning, everybody. It's 11 minutes to 6. It's Friday. Love Friday. Love, love Friday. Uh, back to the NTA Awards, the National Television Awards, the other day, which was uh, in homage. I think it was uh, all done for Deirdre Barlow. I mentioned it to a friend of mine the other day. I said, you know, the lady who played Deirdre Barlow's died. I went, really? I said, he said, what, in real life? I said, yeah, absolutely, in real life. Then it was all going on there. Ricky Raymond was there. I don't know why, dear. You weren't nominated. Nothing to do with you. That's the one who used to go out with Jessica... Can't remember it. Anyway, her. And uh, he was cozying up to Geordie Shaw's Marnie Simpson. Really? Match made in hell. But uh, poor old Jake Quickenden. Yep, I know. Nobody remembers him. Has split from uh, Carl Fogarty's daughter Danielle and is loving it. Apparently had three sexy brunettes after him at the NTA Awards. Who could they be? Three sexy brunettes at the NTA Awards. I mean, some high-class actress? Somebody who's really made a mark on the world? No. Casey Batchelor. Ex-Geordie Shaw, Vicky Patterson, and Hollyoaks actress Stephanie Davis. Wow. What is that behind you, Jake? Just behind you. That's your career. That's your career, mate. You re- Somebody said afterwards, he wants to be careful. He doesn't get a reputation as a player. Well, don't worry. This time next year, nobody will know who you are anyway, so it doesn't actually make any difference. Uh, Gemma Collins still trying to flog you her plus-size range of clothing, even though she's trying to diet. Kind of makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't it, really? And uh, which is the burglary capital? Which is the burglary capital? All a little bit excited about this. Uh, The title nobody wants to win, but the East London district of Dagenham is top of the table for break-ins. I wouldn't mind, but I don't think people have got anything to pinch, have they, in Dagenham? An annual burglary tracker revealed five postcodes uh, listed. This is for insurance. Ah, it's for insurance payouts. I wouldn't guarantee it's actually genuine most of the time. So uh, top of the list is Dagenham. Just underneath that, Gantz Hill... That's a shame. My uncle used to have a butcher's shop at Gans Hill. Mind you, I've been past there recently. It's gone right down, I'm afraid. Uh, number three, Chalton Come Hardy in Manchester. Then Wheatley in South Yorkshire. Woodford, North East London. Hornchurch. Wait for this one. Teddington. Teddington. I thought Teddington was quite upmarket. Obviously not. Uh, somewhere called Eccles Hill in West Yorkshire. Hadley Wood in North London. And Haynort. Teddington. Teddington is is above Haynaught. Dear me, poor people of Teddington. I do apologise. I do apologise. So it's the title nobody wants to win. Mind you, it could be just people fiddling their insurance, couldn't it? Oh, we had a burglary. Did you? What did you lose? Oh, God, loads of valuable stuff. Loads of valuable stuff. And you think to yourself, well, did you, or did you just sort of lie about it? Because a lot of people do. A lot of people lie about things like that. Here's the, uh, the man, the triple murderer. This is Arnold Prato. 20 minutes after being administered pentobarbital, he says, I can smell it. Well, they go tough, isn't it, really? Who cares? Nobody cared about you. He said, I can smell it. Whoa! As it, uh, and he took several sharp breaths. He killed three people. I couldn't care less how much he suffered. I really couldn't. I'm not, uh, not remotely, remotely interested in things like that. I noticed that the, uh, there is the picture of Tom. This is Tom Stevens, the man who lost his hand in the mince horror. Absolutely dreadful. And uh, so now they've given him a, a claw and everything. And he seems to be, you know, doing quite well. He seems to be doing quite well. He says, um, I decided after my accident just to get on with it and not to let it hold me back and carry on with what I love. So, bless his heart. Actually, our local butcher shop in Twickenham, they offer butchery courses. Not sure I could do it. Not sure I could do it. Uh, Neil Giffin is the teacher who appeared on Channel 4's Educating Yorkshire. He's been barred from the classroom for life. He had uh, relations and sex with two former pupils. What on earth is the matter with these teachers? 
there is an unwritten rule. I personally don't quite understand it. I can understand it if you're teaching and it's pupils who you are teaching at the time. But if somebody leaves school, and we've had a couple of instances recently, if a pupil leaves school and then you bump into them outside, are you still not allowed to have a relationship? You know, if it's somebody who's been at school and then, you know, you bump into them, say, a year later and they go, hello, sir, and all the rest of it. And then you that a relationship starts there. Are you allowed to do that or is it you're only not allowed to do it when you're actually teaching them? Anyway, they said it was an inappropriate relationship. He said the online chats were a form of escapism. Yeah, but if you're a teacher and these are people you're te- it's just it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. You don't you don't do anything at all. It must be a terrible temptation, I should imagine, not only for the pupils, but for the... Uh, because everybody used to fall for their teachers, didn't they, years ago? People used to have crushes and go, oh, that teacher was better looking than this teacher, but that teacher's really nice, and this teacher... Oh, that's a horrible teacher. And that's how it works. You know, people, people sort of, you know, sort of go for their, their teachers. Unfortunately, the teachers are supposed to resist. That's the whole idea. Uh, the family tribute, 50 years after Churchill's death. Nick Fry will be talking to somebody uh, this morning who went to the funeral. There must be loads of you listening who went to the funeral of Churchill. The, the country was in mourning for a week. Um, and I've told you before, go to, go to YouTube, if you know what YouTube is. That's lo- lots of videos that are up- uploaded. And type in Churchill's funeral. And you can watch it with the music and the cranes, that's, that's the thing that does it for everybody. I think, to be honest with you, it's the fact that, you know, the country came to a standstill. Churchill had that much of an effect. I did, um, I did a documentary on his house. I did a documentary on Churchill's house. We went all the way down there with David Burge, my producer at the time, and we did, a, we did a documentary on it. We did lots of different houses around London, everything from Ham House to Number One London to Cyan House... And, and we went to do Churchill's as well, which was down in, uh, down in Kent, I think. So 50 years after, Nick will be talking about that. There's going to be lots of television programmes and how we marked it. 1965, many of you listening, you would have been there. You would have stood on the streets and uh, it all fell silent. And the gun carriage came around the corner. But it's the cranes. It's when they put his, his uh, coffin onto that little boat that took it up the Thames and all the cranes. I mean, that was just... The most spectacular. If anything will reduce you to tears, I promise you, today, that will be it. 50 years since he died. 50 years, and still we play uh, those those clips. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall never surrender. Very, very important stuff, I think. Um, but it makes you proud to be British. really does, and so Nick will be doing that uh, this morning. A lot of people saying, dreading the news about the two Japanese guys. Yes, I should imagine they're not feeling too bright about it themselves, because having seen other things that have gone on uh, before... Um, you know, they must know what their fate is, and especially as the Japanese government have said that they're not going to uh, be paying the ransom. £200 million. They can't. You absolutely cannot pay the ransom, because once you pay one ransom, then they'll just look out for other people, and, they will, and they'll then be sort of trying to find as many people as they can, because they know that they'll, they'll pay it, and they won't. So they, they can't pay it. Tragic though it is, and we all know their fate... We know what's going to happen because they're not going to backtrack on it, are they? I think it's highly unlikely. 84850, uk, and we shall try and uh, weave as uh, much into the programme. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is from... This is from... You're speaking about Bonnie Tyler. Uh, did she say once upon a time she was falling in love and now she's only falling apart? Perhaps she didn't say anything. It was just a total eclipse of the heart. Actually, it's very interesting. She's been singing since such an early age. She is 
a singer. We talk about uh, groups that she knows and singers who use auto-tune. This is people who can't sing. She sings. She sings, as you'll discover at the uh, at the O2. Uh, I've had a few jobs, says Helen. Love them all. Starting out in a boutique, working for Bentles in Kingston. Had two pub jobs, so I could pay for a horse. As well as my charity shop job. I have a seasonal job on a farm, and I'm looking forward to an interview part-time at the local museum. I've learned to think positive, except the bad things that you can change. And I've found that singing your way through the day is very relaxing. Oh, I know. I'd love to do it, but I think, sadly, people would be complaining bitterly if ever they turned on LBC and Steve Allen was attempting to sing. I'm not uh, not really a, a singer at all, I'm afraid. It was Rebecca Luce, Ian, thank you. The uh, the David Beckham, Rebecca Luce. That never came to anything, did it? That absolutely didn't come to anything at all. We were, we were thinking it, it would be. Thinking it would be. Uh, another one here. Uh, you have to persist if you want uh, regular care for elderly people I know it's the persisting bit that people give up on they just don't have the time to do it walnuts can boost the memory Uh, Barbara Windsor I bought walnuts for it's very difficult to know what to buy Barbara Windsor she always buys me nice things for for Christmas and um, her and Scott are always terribly generous but because they don't drink You can't buy them a bottle of brandy or a bottle of port. You know, for my accountant, I can buy him port because he loves port and Stilton. And uh, but with Barbara, it's nothing. So I think I said, you know what? You know, can I get you anything? She went walnuts. So I went to Costco and I bought the biggest bag of walnuts. I think she was a bit. I think she just expected a little bag. But this is a huge bag. And now it says in the paper that it can boost your memory. They aid concentration, boost the speed at which the brain processes information. A handful of walnuts a day. There you go. That's the thing. I think I need to start getting some walnuts. I might go and have to buy some. Not today, and I can't do it tomorrow, but apparently it works. Again, it's, it's from UCLA in, in Los Angeles, so it's an American study. It doesn't really have any credibility over here, but I quite like the idea that, you know, something as simple as walnuts. I know that people are always saying nuts are very good for you, and I just I can't get into it. It sounds terribly boring, doesn't it? You know, to be honest with you, a chocolate biscuit sounds much more appealing. So uh, walnuts, they can boost the memory, and they make you feel... Really, really good. 46 words. The Duke dismisses the sex slave claims, pardon me, and says, my focus is on my work. And that's all he said. That's all he said. He reiterated exactly what Buckingham Palace had said for him. Police are going to probe Leon Britton from beyond the grave. It's an interesting story. We'll look at that in uh, in a moment. Um, Gemma Collins claiming to have lost weight. Uh, Mesmerising or dull, Wolf hall, dividing the viewers. Only three in ten of you are happy. I don't know what seven of you are doing. It's ridiculous. Nick Clegg's favourite lunch is that meatball wrap from pret It's quite nice, but it's really bad for you. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's going to advertise uh, bread. Amir Khan can't do the shopping. And uh, Keith Lemon's going to retire. The bad news is it's not for about another nine years. Oh, and the cleaner who broke King Tut's mask and then they just stuck it back with a bit of cheap glue. Who knows? The mask is in a terrible state at the moment. All of that and more the other side of the news on LBC. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. 
That's the best thing you're ever going to hear today. It's Friday. It's the weekend. Not, of course, if you work the weekend. It's not so exciting, but uh, we're hoping that you enjoy the remaining 25 minutes of the programme. We'll run through the, uh, the papers as well, and we have all your texts and emails. Anybody in your school gay... That's the Ofsted, uh, Ofsted questions for children aged just 11. And one mother here, her daughter, was asked about whether or not she knew anybody who was lesbian. It's quite worrying, isn't it? Uh, 500 rapes a week are reported. Uh, Prince Andrew breaks his silence. 46 words. He doesn't actually say very much at all. Sylvester Stallone is uh, touring the country and advertising bread. And White D is not going to be an MP. There is a god. All of that and more between now and 630 and uh, Noreen says, pity you didn't get your blood results. I know, I mean, it was, almost, it was I'm, I'm, literally, it was about 30 minutes away from me actually getting there, because I'd been out to do some shopping, and then came back in time, and, uh, and then discovered that uh, she wasn't going to be doing them. It doesn't matter. <coughs> she says, enjoy your lunch today. I am going to enjoy it. It's quite a good day. Good Lord, honestly. Like an avalanche of people today. And the 50th anniversary of Winston Churchill's death on Saturday, and who has a birthday in the LBC presenter lineup? It's Clive Bull who has a birthday today. So uh, many happy returns of the day to him. First, uh, McDonald's in the UK opened in Woolwich, and it began with W, just couldn't remember which one it was. And, uh, and Peter says, shreddies are full of sugar. Uh, yeah, I had a horrible feeling they might be. They're probably not any, any good for me at all. But there again, I don't think any cereal's any good for anybody at all. Um, so, I mean, I'm, perhaps if I don't, well, I don't know. I don't have sugar on or anything like that. Uh, Jonathan's listening in uh, in Toronto, which is good. Love your scenario, Steve, about working in a pub, says one person, which is quite right, actually. And uh, Eleanor, no. No, apparently there is no more no more having a, having a, a wimpy in Twickenham, I'm afraid. Um, da, da, da. I'm working on Stockton High Street, Steve. So uh, lots of people from, from Canada listening into the programme. I quite like to go, you know. I definitely want to do that railway. I think it's called, is it the Rockies? It's the Rockies Railway, isn't it? And you sit on the top. I think you pay extra. I don't mind paying the extra bit. I mean, I think that's worth it. Just to have, uh, you know, have a bit of, uh, bit of luxury in your life. Might not necessarily work like that, but uh, it will happen at some point. I promise you, it will happen at some point. Uh, weather for today. Cold, crisp, frosty start. There was ice all over my car this morning. Isolated mist or fog patch is soon clearing, so sunny for much of the day, although an increasing breeze will eventually bring cloudier conditions. Perhaps a little rain to the northwest by dusk. Luckily, I'm not in the northwest, just the west. Uh, tonight, milder, breezier evening than recently. Cloud and occasional rain moving southeast, perhaps briefly turning heavy, should clear later. Tomorrow, early cloud clearing. Uh, the far southeast will have a dry day with plenty of sunshine, although winds will be light, conditions remaining on the cold side. And Sunday through Tuesday, Sunday should start bright before becoming cloudy with patchy rain, milder with some rain on Monday, clearing to brighter but colder conditions later, mainly fine again on Tuesday. Actually, I've been a bit lazy these last few Sundays because I finished doing the programme in the morning, done the walk round Regent's Park for a bit of air and a bit of exercise. Freezing cold, though. And the last couple of times, I haven't had the energy to do anything at all. You know why? I'm, sh- I'm totally convinced it's the fact that it's dark and overcast and fairly satanic and you can't really be bothered to do anything, can you? All you want to do, many of you, I should imagine, at the moment, is stay in bed. But I was reading a great report in Country Life this week where they were talking about... Um, people who commute. Now, there's probably a lot of you listening for commuting. Some people commute from Yorkshire on a daily basis. 
Literally. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hours and hours and hours sitting on a train. They come into London, uh, but one man said he lives in Suffolk, and he comes in. And I think it, it takes him about 70 minutes to come in. He said, but, he said, the quality of life in Suffolk is so much better. You get so much more for your money that people are prepared to commute. They're prepared to put up with it. And, of course, today being Friday is the day that they can really enjoy it because they've got... All day Saturday and all day Sunday to relax with the family and friends. And he said it's fantastic. He said the kids build dens in the garden. I mean, you can't do that in London unless you've really got a big house with a big garden. You can't do anything about it. You've got little tiny ones. I looked at some gardens the other day on a, on a new build. I don't think you're buying. I just like to look and see what things look like. And to be honest with you, the gardens were pitifully tiny. Why? Because they extend the, the place out. <coughs> and where do they extend? They extend into the garden. So unless you're lucky enough to have a really big garden, we had a fantastic one in Yorkshire. We had a big uh, wood next to us, right next to the garden. There were no fences or anything like that. It didn't have things like that in those days. And, uh, you know, a big garden to play in. And, there were, and it was where kids could be kids. You can't, do anything. you can't even play football in the road nowadays. Years ago, you could do that. And the reason was there were no cars. Now, of course, there's cars all over the place. So let's have a look at the front pages. Oh, my thanks to Helena for her little... Um, a little thing that she did earlier on today, which is very good. So thank you very much indeed for that. Very grateful. And uh, the front pages of the papers. Let's see what they're saying. I think you've got a rough idea that they're going to be mentioning Prince Andrew. Uh, beleaguered, breaking his silence at a conference to which, to be honest with you, he wasn't paid to be there. He wasn't representing this country. He wasn't representing the Queen. He wasn't paid to be there. But he was staying in, uh, in a chalet. And, of course, then I put two and two together and worked out that he's just bought a chalet, I think, in, in Verbier. Danny says, I'm being treated to dinner at the Woolsey. Have you ever been? I have. I have to be brutally honest with you. I had an afternoon tea there, and I've had a better afternoon tea elsewhere. My favourite was, uh, was the Langham, which I thought the afternoon tea there was really nice. And I like... See, I've got a thing about little sandwiches. I thought the Dorchester was very good. The Savoy was very nice. Most of the London hotels do a good afternoon tea. I didn't think the Woolseys was up to the standard. The room's not designed for doing that. I think if you can have an afternoon tea in London, and it's a bit of a treat. I've done it at the, the Dorchester twice. Twice I've done the Dorchester for afternoon tea. And that's lovely. Of course, I didn't know first time round that you can keep ordering the sandwiches. At the Grosvenor House, they come back round again, and you, you just take... And they were delicious. They cut the crust off and everything. It's quite posh. So tea in an afternoon, you know, in a, in a London hotel is, is a real thrill as far as I'm concerned. And it's not cheap. You can pay anything from about £35 up. And it comes, one of them, I think the one that we had at the Grosvenor House came with a, a little jelly in between and a, a glass of champagne and you pick your tea. I'm a bit, bit iffy about teas anyway. I just go for Earl Grey. I'm not particularly fussy. I can't do any of these other things. And it was the sandwiches. And in fact, we got so full on the sandwiches that we didn't even get round to doing the little cakes and things like that, which were delicious. So what they did, they put them in a box for us so we could take them away. But really nice. I mean, you like the Woolsey. The Woolsey room is absolutely lovely. Absolutely lovely, which is nice. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Lynn says, as a schoolgirl myself uh, and our friends, we had huge crushes on our very handsome maths teacher. He had a wonderful way of, of, uh, of diffusing it. He introduced his gorgeous girlfriend to us. <sighs> Doesn't kind of work, does it really? But everybody did at school. I thought that was the whole idea of being at school. You had your favourite teachers and your non-favourite teachers. And some people, because, you know, at the age of 14 and 15, your hormones are racing around your body. 
I'm totally convinced mine are still racing around the body. They've got no idea where they're going. Doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. So, front of the Daily Mail, the Churchill tribute editions, the greatest Englishman. Yes. Do you know he was so poor, he couldn't even afford to buy his own house. His friends clubbed together and bought it for him because they knew that, uh, that he liked it. They've still got one of his cigars in the, uh, the sitting room. Uh, Michael says, delighted you love the Langham. Yeah, it was fab. It really was very, very good. Can't wait for lobster. He said, do you think you'll like it? I don't know. Somebody else asked me that earlier on. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. Somebody said, dip it in butter. You know, if you dip it in butter, I don't know whether or not that is the, uh, the way forward. He says, I think you'll end up addicted. I've warned M&S in Twickenham. Just need to warn Sandy, Stuart down there, and he'll, he'll start preparing them for me. Um... As tributes pour in for Leon Britton after his death at 75, a troubling question. The Daily Mail says, now will we ever find the truth on the abuse dossier? The police have said they're going to continue with the inquiry. They're not stopping because he's died. So uh, that one, I'm sure, will be talked about a little bit later on today. Uh, the son are running with a bad day for justice. Only 40 of 250 returning jihadis in the UK face prosecution. But the Crown demands £5 million retrial of four Sun journalists. So they're going with uh, that one today. And also Katie Hopkins, who's managing to write her column from inside the Big Brother house. And uh, as I say, it's not half as hard-hitting as it used to be. She doesn't like Paris Hilton. She's obviously decided that if she ends up going into one of these programmes again, and to be honest with you, she's so dull, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it for her. Um, she says, pity poor Patsy, Perez and Pricey. Pricey because of the wedding, but she describes um, Katie Price as being beautiful. We think she needs glasses very quickly. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 6.20. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast for another uh, ten minutes. Apparently, if you take uh, lobster, dip it in cheap... Sorry, cheap. Sweet chilli sauce, which sounds quite nice. Uh, Rocky Mountaineer is the name of the Rockies tour. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, another one here, which says porridge, oat, shredded wheat and Weetabix are about the best that you can have. Yes, perhaps I should have got shredded wheat, actually. Perhaps I can take it back and change it. I have, I've had shredded wheat before. It was actually quite uh, quite pleasant, as, uh, as it goes. Uh, 84850. Sally says, my brother knew he was gay at the age of eight, but I certainly didn't tell anybody. At the age of eight? Good Lord. That's why, that's why Ofsted have got these uh, sort of questions going out to, to eight, nine and ten-year-olds. Do you know anybody gay at school? Because the trouble is, gay means something different in most, uh, most kids' schools, doesn't it? Uh, the Daily Mirror. The NHS cancelling operations this winter. 15,483 operations have been cancelled. Do you know, I have nothing but good stories about the NHS. Seriously, nothing but good stories about the NHS. I'm sick to death of people bashing the NHS all the time. I mean, the, the, the things and the pressure that they're working under make it sometimes extremely difficult. Police to probe Britain beyond the grave, Scotland Yard, insisting it will still investigate allegations Leon Britain raped a teenager despite his death the other day. Um, a spokesman said of claims he attacked a 19-year-old in 1967. A review of the case remains ongoing. His death means he also takes secrets of an alleged cover-up of an establishment paedophile ring to his grave. And it also, the papers were asking the question yesterday, how much did Margaret Thatcher know? And the answer is, she appeared to know everything. They found these, these documents, haven't they? And the, uh, and the documents uh, literally have sort of said, this is, um, this is exactly, you know, what's going on. She must have known everything, including 
Including names. Including names. Uh, Daily Express today, Prince Andrew insists he's innocent of sex slave claims. I'm not sure he actually said that. He just said, you know, I refer back to, you know, to what Buckingham Palace said. The former Home Secretary Leon Britton's died aged 75. The cure for high blood pressure. A tiny implant the size of a paperclip set to revolutionise the treatment of high blood pressure. I wish they'd bring these things in. I wish they'd stop talking about it and just bring them in and give us a twirl. A sexism row engulfing the world of professional tennis after a TV commentator asked a top female player to give viewers a twirl. Sports fans all over the globe fired off a volley of complaints over the treatment of number seven seed Eugenie Bouchard. They said top male players like Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer would never be asked to show off their outfits rather than discuss their matches. Apparently, Australia's Channel 7 tennis commentator Ian Cohen seemed only interested in the Canadian's pink Nike kit. And so he said, can you give us a twirl and tell us about your outfit? Well, it seems fair enough, doesn't it? What's the matter with that? Why would people complain about that? He's interested. Probably other ladies are interested. That's a nice outfit. Where does it come from? You know, you're not going to be asking, you know, anybody like Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal to give us a twirl because nobody's interested in their outfits. They all look the same, but this is a different thing. Why on earth would people be complaining about it? Good Lord, honestly. Dreadful, isn't it, really? A couple who ran a honeypot fraud whilst their firm collapsed were behind bars last night. Philip Murray Shelley and his wife Margaret fiddled up to a thousand quid a day, lived in a £1.6 million mansion, 16 acres. Uh, They're now divorced and they now haven't got anything at all. They were in uh, South Wales. They gained the trust of a credit company and then they created bogus contracts. And now they're in prison. So, kind of of speaks for itself, doesn't it, really? Uh, He helped change... The country for the better with Margaret Thatcher. This is Leon Britton. They say the most brilliant of his generation, although his career has been dogged by controversy. The storm washing away a resort beach. This is in Cornwall. And uh, last night, Britain's topsy-turvy weather. One minute there's lovely sand. The next minute it's all gone. It's all been washed out to sea. Front of the the, uh, metro today. Uh, top Tory dies at 75, there's Leon Britton, but abuse claims linger. Andrew, I've got nothing to hide. It was almost like he, he, he really didn't have anything to say about it at all. Ray Mears has been axed as a speaker at a caravan show after he slagged them off. He chose caravans, his pet hate, on Room 101. Bit, bit ironic, isn't it, really? The, one of the programmes where you throw things into a sin bin because you don't like them. And somebody goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's just been booked. He's, he was being paid £10,000. Shows you how much these people earn, doesn't it? I'm always fascinated when you you read the uh, amounts of money that are banded around. And being hacked is very easy. It's as easy as 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Because, believe it or not, a shocking number of people still use 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Making themselves very easy for cyber criminals. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, can you seriously believe that? People buy lottery numbers. People actually have lottery numbers, you know, going 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. That's what they, that's what they book. And you think to yourself, I think you've, I think you've actually got it wrong. I think you've actually got it wrong. It shouldn't be. You know, you shouldn't be doing one, two, three, four, five, six because it's too it's too sort of dangerous to have things like that because somebody could hack into your computer. So uh, not so good, I'm afraid. Not so good. Uh, another one here, very quickly. Uh, a lot of people advise me on lobster. I'm not sure I'm going to be enjoying it, actually. Not sure. Uh, please do not have thermidoral sauce if you can broil it with hot melted butter to dip into. That sounds better, says Adrian. Yes, I like that. Yes, I mean, I, I think dipping it in butter, to be honest with you, I, I probably won't go for it. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and be brave, but uh, sometimes brave and Steve Allen don't kind of go well together. Daily Telegraph, Davos denial marks a royal first. 
As we said before, what on earth Prince Andrew was doing there, not paid by anybody, doesn't actually have a job, was staying in Verbier. It's almost like sort of wandering around the world, sort of kind of inventing your own life, really, isn't it? The uh, Euro QE boost for the holiday pound, and Saatchi's bill will save patients from brutal chemotherapy. The amount of people that suffer with chemotherapy and the, uh, uh, the side effects. Uh, the Times, historic move to safeguard cyclists. That'll be nice. And uh, the bonanza for Britain as the cash floods into... Europe. Quickly, the independent front page. Leon Britton, a political titan who died in the shadow of scandal. And the hacking by the mirror, worse than at Murdoch Papers, have started paying out uh, money to all sorts of people, from Scylla Black to Peter Andre and Darren Day. That's it this morning. I'm back with you on Sunday morning. Uh, with In Conversation between 5 and 6, I'm live between 6 and 8. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like through our podcast service. Download the app on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. A free podcast for you up in about 25, 30 minutes. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here from breakfast with at 7 o'clock. Next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.